2: It's the riot. Hudson podcast. New. I said
3: I was like, Hey, is everybody ready? And Hudson's Shram. like Shram It was so like cowboyish, like Shram, little <laughs> Shram. lady. Shram
2: <laughs> Little Lady. Shram partner.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, All right, well,
3: uh giddy up. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Video, <laughs> <Giddy up. laughs>
3: what's in the podcast? That's what today? Kramer says. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> well, to me, that's still cowboy, yeah, talk. it is kind
2: of cowboy mm-hmm. talk. Uh, well, hope everybody's having a good day. That's right. Uh, what's it? Why don't we just jump right in, Isaiah? What's in the podcast? So, we
4: did a story, and I also have a, que- a follow up question with sure. this, too. Okay, we were talking about the man who was bitten by otters, yeah, right.
3: right. Oh, I liked that story, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: and so. <laughs> So that's kind of messed up. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. That man who was bitten by all those by otters. I love otters. <laughs> yes. All right.
3: And if a few people get bit in the process, yeah. then that's yeah, fine. Yeah, of course.
4: <laughs> so I have a story of mm-hmm. like when I was bitten by like an animal. Uh-huh. I didn't know if you guys.
3: Have ever been bit? Yeah. Well, dogs don't count because no, no, yeah. But I've never like been around an exotic
2: otter. animal, or yeah, something, like, like or a, just like anything out of the ordinary. Not a I domesticated got bit by a spider.
3: Animal. Yeah. At yeah. Yellowstone.
2: Oh really? Was it like a traumatic experience?
3: Well, it was weird because I woke up and it was like, let's just say lower back. Oh man, <laughs>
4: it was
3: really, <laughs> really weird because I was like, what's wrong? And it really got inflamed. Was hmm. it like
4: like a big bite? Yeah, it was
3: a big bite. Oh, and really? you know, it
4: was
2: a spider.
3: Well, it had two holes. Like no way! You can
2: things. see. You oh, can wow, see that's scary. Yeah,
3: and we were in the middle of uh, well, actually, right outside Yellowstone, where there was not a lot, <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, okay, well. I would have died already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: right? I so guess I'm good. Yeah.
3: I think it was in the bed, so it must have yeah, been Yeah, it at must night, have been. So. Yeah, but that's about it.
2: I cannot recall a time that I was bitten by anything. Oh, you
3: have lived be- then. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. Don't worry. It's, it's
3: coming. It's coming. it's coming.
4: It's <laughs> coming. It's <laughs> only a matter of time. go
3: get a rabies shot. Yes. <laughs>
4: what were you bitten by? I was bitten by a pig. Really? Really? Yes. I was in fourth grade. They could eat you. Yeah. And so I'm like growing up, like we always like showed pigs for like 4-H stuff. You uh-huh. did? Yeah. I know, it's surprising. So we really? always had pigs around the house. And we had this one pig. It wasn't even my pig either. It makes it even worse. We <laughs> always like had like three or so pigs. Like my older brother would have two, I would have one. I'll never forget. I get in like the pen with them, like to mess with them, like play with them and stuff. Because like yeah. that's what you do with your pigs. I guess you just play with them. Like, <laughs> of we'll
3: course, trust you on that. Yeah. yeah. And so as
4: I'm climbing out to get out, Rocky, one of the meanest pigs we ever had, <laughs> clearly, uh, just bites me on the back of my on the back right of my uh, hamstring.
3: Oh no! On oh, no. the back of my
4: and of course I'm in like fourth grade, so I'm like little. So his whole like because pigs don't really have like t- like teeth. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like just like clamping his gums on you and my i had a bruise like the size of my hand, oh, wow. like it was huge. It was just obviously a very scary moment. Yeah. I'd never been bitten by one of our pigs before, so like I go climbing, I'm freaking <laughs> out. I run to my dad. I'm like, Rocky bit me. Like <laughs> I'm so upset. Like it, well, it hurt really bad. They had a huge bruise, but yeah, I didn't well, know. What and Rocky, to Rocky? was slaughtered later no, that Rocky, day. No, Rocky. You know what to say? I just didn't play with him. Now, did you? You uh, make
3: wait. it sound like he never did die for food. Did I mean, he, he yeah, eventually? Did you eat? He only
4: did you bite him more back months. one day? No, I I didn't personally. We always. Like would like sell them at the end oh. and then they would
2: be eating by In a someone way, else. that's even more of a of a win. Yeah, you know? I know. Like, like, like I really made more money p- off of you. Yeah, See, right. listen, you I can't, if
3: I can't keep it when I name it, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah, well, That's so. weird. You so, yeah, have been my pig. You have pigs. Okay. You know, I yeah. feel the
2: pressure to go get bitten by something just I so I can well, uh, be all right. equal with you guys. Well, alright, tomorrow's
3: the weekend. Uh-huh. Like, why don't you make it your goal this weekend?
2: Yeah. See if I can find some wildlife. Why don't
3: you go to a pet store and bother the exotic area? Got some
2: a, a zoo that I need to that I'm a plan to go to the zoo, so maybe uh, I climb in one of the pens and just no, see what I happens. I don't want to
3: have you be a story. I'd like you to oh, be I'd
5: you on love Monday. For you to It'd be great a great promotion. I'd great actually promotion. Would love it. would be it. good yeah. actually
3: because then if you manage to get them to bite you but not break any rules, then you could sue the zoo. That's yes.
5: right. Yeah,
2: and they've already got enough problems. They, here, oh, so. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> our zoo's currently trying to. It's a rebuilding season
4: yeah, for our right. zoo. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, so
2: that was the story of like being
4: bitten. Uh, obviously you can hear about that a little bit later on. But we also did a story about a job posting that was like a little bit much. Uh huh. And they specifically wanted people who aren't criers. Mm. And me myself, I'm not much of a crier. Like I've never cried at work. Yeah. You're not old enough yet. Have, have you, you, haven't yet? Yeah, enough. you? haven't been through so, enough so Have you you cried at work? No. What you, what, how, much, how much older do I need to get? Nikki, have you <laughs> cried at work? Absolutely. Nikki's like, yesterday. Oh, yeah.
3: And it's not about you two, It's right. every
4: no. time I leave the show, I go upstairs. I'm like, why is this my life? <laughs> uh-uh,
3: uh-uh. Let's just say maybe the previous person sometimes is joking would like go too far. I so would always have to apologize because I'd just be off in the corner crying. <laughs>
4: Nikki's
2: like, no, too much. That just you means know, I haven't uh, tried hard enough. You anymore. haven't pushed, yeah. the, you haven't pushed the limits. I think it's because
3: you still don't know me as well uh-huh. as the previous person, yeah. And so, if it's only when someone knows you that they can yeah. actually hurt They're, you. No. Oh yeah, and they don't even with their teasing. But yeah, yeah just a little corner crying is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah,
4: of course. I haven't had it taken a turn yet, but you know I've only been here a couple months, <laughs> right. so it's only a matter of time. You haven't yeah, been yeah. here, here long enough. You, you haven't. Yeah, <laughs>
3: and I'll make you cry. Yeah, no, actually, you cry I can't. Tomorrow. I don't want to cry, so I don't want to make it's someone coming. else
4: cry. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about that, and then we wrapped up the show yet again, circling back to all you remote workers. What are you guys doing? Like <laughs> Nothing. Are you guys doing anything? I'm still wondering every day. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you, but I am jealous of your lifestyle. Yeah. And they're probably like, oh, I, I hate when they talk about remote workers and how mm-hmm. we aren't doing anything, but i just love to be at home right now. <laughs> i like,
2: love it. Wouldn't it be so great? But even if we worked from home, you, we still have to talk. So we wouldn't be able to fake uh, it. You're right. No, our, job like our job is, is so hard. We still mm. have to talk and everything. It's too it's not too hard of a job, but it's too hard of it's too hard to fake yeah. doing yeah. this job. Yeah. Well,
3: excuse me, uh, Hudson. In fact, impossible. We did a food fight this morning where we ate donuts. So oh, we am yeah. just going to go ahead yeah. and eat one now cuz our job is so uh, hard.
4: Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also we touched on some Tim Hortons this morning. Yeah. We tried the
3: Dustin Bieber... Uh, what do they call the Jim?
4: Jim Tim, no. Biebs. The t- Tim, Biebs. Tim Biebs. Tim Biebs. Tim Biebs. Tim Biebs.
3: They're not good. But um, yeah. <laughs> right. so that's it. Enjoy the podcast today. Our our uh, introduction is is long now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We have to <laughs> they let you guys go. Just keep getting longer
2: and longer. We
3: want to let you guys go so you can hear us again. All talk.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, check you next time. Bye. Bye. If you missed out on the next riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're listening to the Worst of the Riot Podcast.
2: If you ever find yourself in Singapore at their botanic gardens, you need to watch out for a certain animal. And uh, it's one you wouldn't expect.
3: Is that the gardens at like, is it the airport or?
2: Uh, is it at the airport? Have you you seem seen... to know a lot about uh, Singapore.
3: Well, <laughs> it's supposed to be, if it's the one airport that I think it's almost like you go into its own, like it's a middle country or something. Oh, it's yeah? so big in between. Uh-huh. and It's got this really cool waterfall that comes down huh. uh, from the uh, the ceiling. So uh, if that's it, it's impressive looking. Mm,
2: I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't have an answer for you on that. It doesn't say but uh it, it may be and the botanic gardens uh of course there's all kinds of uh plants and stuff there being uh, gardens but there's not just plants there's also otters really and oh don't get too excited oh why <laughs> because are the, there
3: evil otters they
2: well who can uh judge <laughs> their motives are
3: they misunderstood otters? they might
2: be a little misunderstood but they've got a mean streak in them because uh last week George, no, Graham George Spencer is the man's name. He's a British uh, citizen, but he is a full-time Singapore resident. Yeah. He was going on his routine walk uh, at the Singapore Botanic Gardens, and uh, he said for the first time in five months that he's been walking there, he saw otters around. And so, of course, that's very exciting. He got a a little bit close, but not like too close for comfort or anything, uh, but he wanted to take a look at the otters. 20 otters. Yeah, and then... Here comes a runner passing by. Mm-hmm. The runner startles the otters, but the runner's too fast for them to catch, I guess. But they're still startled. So they go after Graham George Spencer.
3: They don't realize he wasn't the one who It wasn't the culprit.
2: <laughs> but uh, but they needed to find somebody to attack. So they hop on at Graham George Spencer and they uh, bite him 26 times. Oh,
3: they bit him on the ankles and stuff. Yeah. And they, they pushed him to the floor. Wow. And then they jumped on top of him. This doesn't see. I mean, there's <laughs> pictures, so it's real. But uh, he's, they started biting him on his shoes and around. Oh, his his bottom. <laughs>
2: they started biting <laughs> him around there. They got him everywhere. Threw, threw
3: his shorts for about 10 to 12 seconds. And uh, he... Had to have help getting them away from him. Yeah,
2: well, that sounds like a very cute nightmare, doesn't it? It
3: does. Oh, they're so adorable. They, are. they really did a number
2: on him. Yeah, the, our zoo. Sometimes you'll go and you'll just see them all, and they'll be all sleeping in a pile right mm-hmm. by the river. How, how could how could anything like that be so uh, vicious? Well, they're
3: they're they were scared yeah. first off. And what what you know like what is it is a gaggle of geese? What's a <laughs> what's a name for a group of otters? Oh, we a gotta gang? look this
2: up. There's gotta be a good answer <laughs> is there to that? a
3: Technical term for when you have many, many uh, you know, these uh,
2: creatures there? Um, let's find out. Uh, a romp! Oh, that's so adorable! It gets better and better. It he was, was a romp. He was uh,
3: attacked by a romp of otters. Oh, We learned something new today. Oh, well, you know, it's not nice that he was injured because he really no, was. But yeah. come on, it's a romp
2: of otters. Yeah. What do you think? I would take the attack. I just let, They can bite me as many times as they want. <laughs> You know,
3: <laughs> here, guys, bite me. Yeah, and then come, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't bite me there. Yeah, right. Not <laughs> Just, on the bottom. <laughs> that's right. Just the feet, please. Wow. Oh, they're cute. Yeah,
2: I, uh, I, I'm glad he's okay.
1: Hudson sees the glass is half empty, but get this: he thinks a glass half empty is good. The riot radio, you.
2: Nikki, I'm glad you're sitting down. Yeah. Because, and I want everybody else to, as well, to join you in sitting down because what you're about to hear might shock you. You're sure. just, you would just... we uh, hold on? You might fall over <laughs> if you heard what I'm about to say and you were standing up. Uh, you would need a fainting couch. So here we go. Are you ready? <laughs>
3: Which would look nice in here. Yeah. Uh,
2: so scientists in, in Korea, South Korea, have found that eating chocolate... Makes you happier. No. Yeah. Stop
3: it. Stop with your lies. <laughs> it's you don't true. bring
2: those here to the show. It's a. Uh, it's it's science. Uh.
3: Uh-uh, I don't believe it. This
2: is research done what in would Korea. Someone say is, is hogwash. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's poppycock. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It, it, nope. It's absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's just one study, but they have found. Now here's where. Uh, of course, that's the top line that eating chocolate makes you happier. However, uh, there is a caveat to that. It's always that, dark chocolate. Yep. That's. dark chocolate has to be. Yeah.
3: It's never like a Hershey bar. No, they say,
2: uh, (laughs) yep, it's the 85, you have to eat 10 grams of 85% dark chocolate. Oh, that's dark. Three times a day. Wow. That will make you happier. But uh, they say that if you're talking about, you know, milk chocolate or other unhealthier versions of chocolate you want to eat that more in moderation.
3: Also, just to let you know, even if you're like having the uh, dark chocolate version of like a candy bar, you know yeah. how they have some, that's that still, doesn't count. That's not
2: this. No.
3: <laughs> you're not normally eating dark chocolate like this. Yeah. It has such a bitter taste to yeah, me. Yeah, you
2: hear this study and you think, oh, it's, uh, you know, chocolate makes you happier because it tastes so good. Three not, times a day. Not this chocolate. No, you don't
3: want this if one. If <laughs> you've
2: ever done uh, a keto diet, mm-hmm. that that's the talk- chocolate they're talking about. Just like the darkest, bitterest, uh, not sweet at all stuff. The not fun chocolate.
3: Yeah. Suddenly then you don't want any anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're <yeah>, right. <laughs> Which I guess is not really making you too happy.
2: No, but uh, that it is uh, what they, the reason being that it makes you supposedly happier is uh, it, it links mood improvements are linked to microbial changes in your gut. Mm. So I guess your, your gut is you go with your gut. You eat chocolate and then well, you get happier.
3: We go with our gut and we're getting the milk chocolate. Yeah, so that's right. the problem. It still has to be the dark chocolate. I wonder if you'd you'd probably just get used to it if if that was all you had. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not that and different you'd be thankful than uh, and, and grateful for just the dark chocolate. It's uh,
2: <laughs> it's not that different from coffee,
0: right? <sighs> You don't. You that's know. So,
3: oh my gosh! That's why I add creamer into my coffee. Yeah, because it's adding too bitter. Milk and sugar. Yep. Uh-huh. And so I like that in my in my chocolate too.
2: I bet you uh, drinking the coffee. If you drank it black, eighty five percent black coffee would make you happier. <laughs> I'm sure it would. But it's the uh, it's the the milk and uh, or cream and sugar. That's killing you.
3: They say it's mood-altering effects from the dark chocolate. And they wanted people to rate their feelings uh, Uh on the scale of one to five, you know, for each time they were having them. Well,
2: uh, are we going to go get some chocolate then? I don't don't know if I'm in a very good mood.
3: You want some? Well, then we're
2: going to... I I need some mood improvement.
3: Well, then you're going to need milk chocolate. (laughs) So it's baby steps. Maybe that's
2: temporary mood improvement. And if you do the dark chocolate... You get like a long term high, we or have, whatever.
3: We have a box of cookies uh, uh-huh. in the break room. Ooh. None of those are any close to the eighty five percent dark chocolate no, rate.
2: But that would bring a mood improvement. It wouldn't would,
3: it? and then a crash. But at yeah. least you'd have the improvement for a while. What do you
2: think about a uh, my Cliff Bar? Is that a mood improvement? That mood also impro- is not. No, yeah, that's too healthy.
3: Yeah. Do you still have the pumpkin one? Yeah. There, you can really smell when you eat the yeah. Cliff Bar. You'll
2: know when I open it. It's
3: not a bad thing, but I'm just telling you, it's the wrong season. So <laughs> if you could get through your pumpkin that's why i have them so eat them faster <laughs> i would like a holiday but like i don't like them that much well then well that's... if you want a
2: holiday one you're gonna have to wait till uh, the middle of january i don't want you coming in
3: close to february <laughs> having these peppermint cliff oh,
1: <laughs> hey those are good all year round what are you talking about
3: it just the smells really off
1: if you're looking for hot takes on the day's most important news stories uh you're in the wrong place you're listening to the riot on radio U. Did you see this
2: job posting that's been going around? It was from a uh, California juice chain. No. Uh, The place is called. A juicery? A juicery. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Uh, It's called Creation Organic, but creation is spelled with a K. Yeah. uh, To make you remember it or something. I don't know. Uh, Creation Organic. They were looking for somebody, uh, they say, still looking for that special person.
3: To hire? To
2: hire uh, so here's what they were looking at. This is like the text of the the job ad. Uh, they want somebody who is quote actually available, mm-hmm. has an open schedule, doesn't oh. cry. Aww. Is never late. Oh no! Has no excuses. Works hard. Has no BS and smiles no matter
3: what. That's a bit harsh of an ad, to isn't it? Someone to that's actually
2: exactly what they admitted join afterwards. Join your company. Yeah, that's they, someone
3: who's been hurt.
2: They took down the ad. That's a manager very shortly. who's been hurt a lot. Yeah, he's had some <laughs> sensitive employees, and he was told his...
3: to put an ad out, and that was his yeah, response. Yeah, this is
2: this is because the last employee, the the last one, they quit because or he fired them. Yeah, maybe. Because they I wouldn't stop crying on the job.
3: The, I think the crying is, is the harshest part. That's,
2: that's where it goes too far, right?
3: Who hasn't cried at work? Yeah. Uh, and even if you're working at a juicery, that's uh-huh. going to happen, too.
2: I bet you you have to deal with some difficult people at a juicery. You
3: do, and all the fruit? Yeah, all right? the juicing? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that sounds really good What if right it gets now? in your eye? <laughs> I bet course.
2: you it does, right? Like the citrus? That'd probably burn.
3: You run to your manager, like, I'm not crying <laughs> just to let you know. It's yeah. something in my yeah, eye. Uh-huh. It's Where's allergies. That? Where's
2: that sink with the things that spray upwards? Oh, <laughs> like if you got a burn or chemical yeah, right. in your eye, yeah, it's, uh, it's the oranges. They got me.
3: So creation took the poster down, um, and since it got shared, yeah. and not nicely shared, uh-huh. it's hard when you become viral for something that not you're the
2: good reasons
3: your business does not want, and uh, they're going to try again <laughs> <laughs> and send out a nicer advert for trying to hire from their hiring manager. They're
2: learning and they're listening, hey, and they understand good. that it's okay to cry. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, there are, you, you better be careful putting an ad out like this, too, because there are people that don't cry. You know what they are? Psychopaths. Robots. Yeah. <laughs> right, robots. <laughs> they're not even real. That's what they really want. So, <laughs>
3: I didn't want to cry, but then now that you told me I couldn't, yeah. suddenly you start to tear up. And I think th-
2: this is about, if I was looking for a job and I started reading, it's like, oh, I'd love to work at a ray, Then you get to the doesn't cry. Then you wouldn't just cry.
3: Like, I'm and sorry. This,
2: my <laughs> how, dream.
3: How stressful is the job? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you might be thinking that this won't be quite as bad the second time around. Well, you'd be greatly mistaken. We're listening to the worst of the riot podcast. So, we have
2: a a scandal that is rocking the beauty contest world Ooh. in Saudi Arabia.
3: Ooh.
2: But it's maybe not what you think because, uh, you know, you probably think beauty contests and you think women. Yeah. Uh, or... How come there's no beauty contest for men? I bet I there guess there kind just, of is.
3: You just don't hear. Yeah. Is that just the world for you? Not, is that just every day? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, right. Uh, every day I walk out, I feel like I'm being it's judged on my looks. Yeah,
3: you know. it must be hard. Uh,
2: but in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> their beauty contest uh, scandal revolves around camels. Oh, it does? It does.
3: Oh, beautiful camels.
2: Because uh, right now what has been happening is uh, they're at, they have the king Abdul Disease Camel Festival. It is a month-long camel beauty contest and festival. You can compete. Did you
3: see the prize money? Yes,
2: $66 million if you have the most beautiful camel.
3: Oh, my God. No, I think, like, in total. Oh, yeah.
2: not, how... not not first place, but no. still, you probably get a a decent chunk of that sixty six million if you win.
3: Well, I wasn't into camel stuff, but maybe yeah, just maybe you
2: were. You just been you know slaving away at the four H stuff, showing your cows for who, for what. For what exactly? <laughs> a ribbon? Yeah, a, ri- I was, a ribbon.
3: <laughs> I was being close-minded. I just wanted a
2: horse. Yeah, I
3: didn't know I should be wanting a camel.
2: Yeah, you've been doing your equestrian, your yeah. little dressage. And For now, what you could, be, you could be. The real money is in camels. So there's
3: four. Uh, let's see. It is a month-long event, mm-hmm. and they say that they have disqualified all over forty, 40 camels, camels. because there was they were juicing.
2: <laughs> yeah, they it, well just like. With a, well, actually not just like, uh, I was going to say like a real be- a women's beauty contest or whatever, uh, where you would be, I don't uh, think that's in the rules. Bo- <laughs> Botox injections, <laughs> facelifts and other cosmetic surgeries are, uh are frowned upon, but I don't I don't know if that's always the case. If but with camels, enough, it is.
3: If you have enough Botox, you're not able to frown. <laughs> that's a good point. But with the camels, you're not allowed to, like, cosmetically alter them. Yep. But they say that they're a lot, and so they kind of try to This is all about the camel's
2: it. natural beauty. It
3: is. So you're not allowed to do Botox injections, facelifts, um, other things. They have to be natural, or uh-huh. at least not, not like that. And so they're... Uh, uh, they are uh, clamping down on the enhanced camels, mm-hmm. and uh, 40 camels have been disqualified.
2: 40 camels were, uh, were doing Botox. And maybe they had hump implants or something. Who even knows? They
3: inject the camel's heads and lips. Their lips yeah, with it too. Their lips are already
2: pretty big. I
3: know. So they, And they also use it to try to relax the face uh, of the camel. I thought this was ridiculous until I saw the $66 million prize Yeah, money. now
2: you understand. Now
3: I understand why people are doing this. If you
2: ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so I, is that uh, your motto? Yeah. Do you think... Uh, you think, so all of the, you know, actual physical alterations of the camel frowned upon or strictly prohibited, really, you think they're allowed to wear makeup?
3: Mm, you know, get some nice
2: eye shadow on the, on the maybe. camels?
3: Maybe. I, I wonder. Camels are just not, we don't know enough about.
2: Yeah. I saw, uh, I've been to, uh, there's like a safari thing nearby. Yeah. The station. Uh, you drive through, they have camels. Some of their camels, uh, but like when the camels get old, they get floppy humps.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no it wonder they up. need it this. Sags. No. It does. It does? Yeah. Oh,
2: well, at Look least. Look it up. I mean, Look up camel saggy humps. And I'm see not what
3: going to. I'm not. Not on the station stop. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "What are you looking up?" Hudson said to do it. <laughs> at least at well, the. Well, then go on
0: the
2: safari. I guess. At
3: that safari, because hopefully then they they live because they are food. Yeah, we, we've had quite a few text messages reminding us that you know if is it like one of those things where here if the cow wins, that means you're. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, if you're the camel and you're winning this competition, yeah, you probably
2: just becoming food. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, not if this hump is too saggy. <laughs> I know. So, not, they're too so, flabby. You just get a person, bunch of fat or something. That
3: those people are. Are you saving those camels? Because then they can just live out the rest of their days. The Riot
1: Podcast Radio You.
3: So we were talking camels, Yes, and my question was, because you talked about, is this beauty pageant in Saudi Arabia, was Uh it? Yeah. Where it's like $66 million in prize money, and so everybody's enhancing their camels. Yeah, which they're
2: not supposed to do.
3: Cosmetic surgery and Botox and all that stuff. They've been caught. I was wondering. Those
2: camels were too beautiful to be true.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You look at it, you're like, that's not natural. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so for a camel, Mm -hmm. now let's say... You were in the desert uh-huh. and you're like dying of thirst. Right. And this is it.
2: It's bound to happen if you're it, out there.
3: It's down to the end yep. and it's just, you and, just the you and the camel. Just you and the camel. I was wondering um, so, like, you know how the hump is, it's water, right? It's
2: supposed to be, yeah, storage, right? Okay, so
3: it's storage. Do you, can you just like, is there water, water in there? (laughs) Like, can you, you said, Hmm. can you like, it's like a Capri Sun where you you pop it with a (laughs) straw.
2: Or like, uh, like maple syrup or something. Like you're tapping the tree.
3: (laughs) So can you like poke it? (laughs) And is it like a coconut (laughs) where the water's in there? And you could, could you, could you be saved?
2: I don't know if I could uh, bring myself. I mean, first you'd have to kill the camel. Do you you, or can
3: you just put a hole in it?
2: Uh, and what, and you just let the camel live? I don't think it's going to let you do that. Actually, Although I guess if you're riding it anyways, and you just quickly like just go pink and stab uh, No, you're stab not riding it, in it anymore. You're not?
3: It's now just your source of water. Okay. It's like a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: well, wait, just, if it's the two hump kind, yeah. you could be riding in between the two humps.
3: And then put a hole you in have, it.
2: And stab the hole in the top. And you could drink while you ride until you get to safety.
3: This is only to live, right? Uh Because sometimes if you need to live, you do horrible things. Yeah. And can you imagine? I would be drinking water and then throwing up right (laughs) after because of what I was having to do. I think
2: that wouldn't. Yeah, that would harm your cause. I was
3: just curious if that was. uh, Well, Kevin Uh, said the camel hump is just fat. Well, where's the water part then? Yeah.
2: But do they, does the fat like just translate to water then if they need? Oh, that's, well, that's where the storage is? Yeah. Is that, is that how it works? That's where my question is. Yeah. Is there like a, Ooh, but then you could just tap the, tap the, the hump. fat. You could tap the hump and then just uh, suck out the fat.
3: I was curious, like, is there a reservoir <laughs> of
2: water well, in it? <laughs> I was thinking, I've never ridden a camel, mm-hmm. but if it was actually, if there was like a, you know, um, like a reservoir. Of water inside the hump, <laughs> then wouldn't it be? Wouldn't you hear it like sloshing as you walked? Or like
3: no, the, it is just fat and yeah. blood. Uh-huh. But I just wanted to know where the water is in case it was just curious. Yeah, but I th- feel so, like this is not what well, we would do.
2: It was a good idea.
3: i just think about idea, Nikki. Just thinking about dying in the yeah. desert. Uh-huh. <laughs> what would you
2: do? Now, I think the irony too is if you are riding the camel, drinking from its hump as you ro- rode, trying to get to safety somewhere you that would make the he- camel die quicker. Yeah. So you might not be able to make it anyways.
3: It's a race so, of time. Yeah, right.
2: A race <laughs> against the clock.
3: To see which one of you goes first. It's
2: just you <laughs> and the camel versus the desert.
3: Actually, there's, that's a trick question, guys. I wouldn't be out there in the first place. Yeah, so, that, unless something really not. wrong happens.
2: There's no chance. And what are the odds you find a camel anyways?
3: Well, I mean, animals are naturally drawn to me. I'm very... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Except bears. <laughs> yeah, I
3: think they would all come. Yeah!
1: <laughs> you were one of the lucky few who missed the riot when they were live. Yet here you are I also like to live dangerously This is the Worst of the Riot Podcast It's time for a Riot Food Fight it is the riots on Radio
2: U, 8772 Radio U. A
3: sneaky food fight. Yeah,
2: <laughs> just came out of nowhere, didn't it?
3: Well, actually, uh, Hudson was hungry and we was. decided to make an executive decision to get this happening now. Yeah,
2: so uh, we've got here for everybody uh, to, to experience with us. The new Tim Hortons Tim Beebs. Mm-hmm. I believe these came out very shortly after uh, Thanksgiving yeah. in the United States. Uh, and they have been, it seems to be a hit. Uh, at least, definitely in Canada, they've been very popular. So, so there's
3: merch that goes with it, which is selling for so much money. Yeah. The people are selling the boxes, they're selling the donuts. So, like, I don't know why there's so much money in this stuff, but uh, Isaiah, if you want, uh, sell your box when you're done. Yeah, yeah. sell the box. Let's make a these, bunch of dollars.
2: Clean them up a little bit. Uh, you know, make them make them all nice. We yeah, I never, never d-
4: understand that stuff. Like all, all the merch stuff. Like, who's gonna want to buy like Justin Bieber, Tim Hortons merch? Like, now, who wants it that bad? I don't here, understand.
3: You don't, but there's obviously yeah, a does. Justin
4: Bieber that does. fans. Somebody yeah. does. <laughs> Collectors. Leave. We've
3: never done a uh, Tim Hortons uh, food fight, so might as well try now with these yeah. Timbit yeah. donuts. So there's a chocolate white fudge, sour cream, chocolate chip, and a birthday cake waffle.
2: All right, which one are we diving and into And There is first? icing
3: everywhere. Yeah, these well, well, these yeah, are pretty have messy.
2: So much like powdered sugar coating. It yeah. seems.
3: Yeah. So what do you want to try first? Justin
2: Bieber loves powdered sugar. What, what can you say? Which sugar? ones are on top for you? Actually, the chocolate ones are all on the top. Yeah, I've mine. got a bunch of chocolate on the top as well. You want well. to do that? Yeah. Let's we'll start with that one. one. Okay. So, so these, these are... are
3: the chocolate, white fudge, uh, the timbits, the uh, tims. If you'd Tim, like to try the little Biebs. ones, the Tim Biebs.
2: I've got mine on a fork because I don't want to get my hands messy.
3: Well, that's a dry donut there, but mm. that's okay. Mm. That's dry. What do you think?
2: Chocolate flavor is good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Is that a totally new flavor? Or is that just their chocolate one with an out like yeah, their, a different outer coating?
2: It's not all that different, is it?
3: It's not from
2: their chocolate sour I don't cream. even really taste like whatever the white is the white on the fudge. outside. Yeah. That's
4: a yeah.
3: bit suspect, but okay. Hang on. I mean, on. it's Putting good, right? The There's
4: fudge. nothing wrong with it. It's just yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's yeah. just a
3: chocolate timbit. Yeah. Uh, but it's supposed to be a chocolate white fudge. I bet the white fudge would be the outer coating.
2: Let's see. What do you want to do now? two are either hard to tell apart or they only gave me two flavors. Let me see. No, they're definitely
4: hard to tell apart. I think I've... I th-
2: this one out, is a though. chocolate chip.
4: See? Oh, here.
3: The birthday one has little little, blue. little sprinkle stuff in it. So yeah. you can see the... Uh, like, I see red sprinkles
2: in oh, there. Let me find that.
3: You want to do the birthday one? I, yeah.
2: yeah, I think I got it. All okay, right.
3: so that's the birthday cake birthday... waffle Ooh, flavor.
2: Let's see.
3: And if you do get a box, you have to see... Oh, no, wait. That's the Ooh. chocolate chip. Is that a chocolate chip? <laughs> I don't know, guys. <laughs> no, that's good.
4: Guys, mm. That one's really good.
3: I'm just gonna eat one and try. <laughs> <laughs> birthday cake waffle flavor.
2: Yeah, that's the birthday cake. That
3: one.
4: one's really
2: good.
3: The waffle part of it's good.
2: I don't get I don't get the waffle.
3: Mm. In my mind it's there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't really know what I'm looking for, waffle wise. Yeah. Mm. In a
2: donut. It's good.
4: I mean, the it's birthday is great.
2: I've had, have you guys had the birthday cake Timbit before? I have not. You mm-hmm. haven't? Mm-mm. Uh, it tastes just like the regular birthday cake Timbit. I was going to say, I didn't even know I, there was a birthday cake I'm Timbit. i so. gathering after two of the three. They, that reused? they just They took the Timbits they already had and they put a slightly different coating on mm. it and gave it a different name. They, just they, put, they like, don't really on. taste different. Two out of two have not tasted different from their uh, original flavor. All right,
3: you want to try the sour cream and chocolate chip one? Let's do it. Boy, these are hard to. Uh, yeah, that one. Okay, so that's a sour cream chocolate chip. Well, hmm. Actually, I ate a birthday cake one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, guys. Hang on.
4: Hmm. A one. Okay, that's it. That's the sour cream mm-hmm. chocolate chip. Not, maybe not as much as found. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not very much chocolate chip though. Mm mm. At all. I don't taste any to be honest. Well, mm-hmm. I don't
3: know then, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen, Krispy Kreme's been on a roll this year. Yeah. With like their special flavors.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But with these being Timbits, I just can't get into it as much.
4: Yeah, the uh But that I'm willing one, to sell okay. the entire box at yeah. yes. a higher
3: price now if you're a fan.
4: <laughs> yeah, like I think the the birthday cake, cake one was really good. I'm not a big fan of sour cream donuts in general. Yeah. I yeah. don't think so. That last one for me was just no. meh. I, uh, meh. I, I would eat it, but no, nah, I wouldn't choose it.
2: I think, I, yeah, I'm not as much a fan of that sour cream as uh, as well. I actually think for the three flavors, they're all, again, based off of
3: existing, starting ones? with different yeah.
2: flavor symptoms they already have. And I kind of think these ones taste very, like, almost un- in- in- like you can't tell a difference, Correct. except they're a little bit drier because mm-hmm. they have a different coating on the outside. So actually, I don't know if they're better than the standard versions of these Timbits. Don't tell them that. I'm yeah, sorry t- to say. But <laughs> don't say hey, that. Still still pretty good though. At least two out of three are very, very they good. They look pretty. They so look the, really
4: pretty.
3: The Tim Beebs, Timbits, uh, chocolate white fudge, sour cream chocolate chip, birthday cake waffle Isaiah, did you feel embarrassed having to go through and ask for the I Tim did Bebs? actually yeah. when I when I
4: pulled up, it felt really weird because I had to say it like four times. I was like, can I get like the the Justin Bieber Timbits and he's like what is it that you want I'm like are you messing with me or what's going on here? I'm like I said I want? I want the Justin Bieber Timbits and he's like you want the Tim Biebs I'm like uh, I'll take
5: he was
2: trying to the get... Tim Biebs yeah, yeah. Take, <laughs> give me those he trick you into saying it
4: he needed you to say
3: the whole thing
4: literally you lowered <laughs>
2: yourself to saying I... Tim Biebs yeah well, I had to say it like four times
3: they're not bad uh, but they're not they're not as amazing as maybe I thought the new because f- they're not really new flavors yeah. would be but, as oh. the new
2: flavors oh. I was hoping for something. More exciting, but hey, they're good. They're good they're though.
3: Still got some donut stuff. This that's morning. right. Yeah.
1: That's that's all that matters. Why pay for so many streaming services that you don't really care about when you cannot not really care about the riot for free? Radio U. Today is not just
2: Christmas ornament day, Christmas ornament giveaway day. It is also Christmas card. Day.
3: Oh, it's today. They say if you want to send out a Christmas yeah, card, yeah, this should. is your
2: reminder to send out the Christmas card. You if th- are not, you...
3: it's not going to get there till February. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: are you a Christmas card sender?
3: I had how many did I have to send? I'm actually sent them out in the mail yesterday. Oh, yeah. Three. Look at you three. on Christmas card day
2: Eve. You did it,
3: and it's for the elderly.
2: You just did three. Three only.
3: <laughs> three only. The rest just, for I for like see. grandparents or yeah.
2: yeah? I, uh, I, what, uh, do you do like the laminated, like the fancy ones, or you just get a, you just go to the, card aisle.
3: Well, I went to Amazon,
2: uh-huh. and
3: I bought a party pack of four different Christmas cards yeah. so then I could alternate in case ah. in case the grand people yeah. <laughs> and the chosen few that got Christmas cards got together to see that I didn't just send them each the same one. <laughs> I
2: thought it through. Hey, they call each other, hey, did you get Nikki's Christmas card this year? Which ones you get? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> she sent it up the same card? She hates us. She sent the same stock letter no. in all three of them? That,
3: oh, I'm not writing a letter. I just and my name on it, and that was it. I I hate Christmas cards because uh, we just don't write as much. Uh-huh. And even doing the three, like my handwriting looks awful. My hand hurts after. Yeah. I just didn't want to do Why it. Why don't you type it up? Uh, that seems like more effort. I can't send the card through my printer with all the glitter on oh, it. Yeah. It'll mess everything else up.
2: Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's too late now anyways. You already sent them. They're in them. the mail. It, uh so uh, you don't do the laminated, like the printed out card, so that means no pictures of the dogs.
3: Or... No. Oh,
2: man, you could do such a cool Christmas card photo. I put
3: on there uh, for the grandparents, if they want to see more of what's going on in my life, they can follow me at Radio U Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to set up for them. They're up
2: on the Instagrams? No,
3: well, like my grandfather's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He doesn't listen, so I can say this. <laughs> uh, anybody else have grandparents? So, like, my grandfather... <laughs> Okay, Okay. he okay. Like I don't think he is listening. I'm gonna tell him though. No, he lost his phone. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so he had gotten Facebook hacked. So I got another friend request from him. Yeah. And he and I I just I love him because I love this is how your grandparents think. He thought because he lost his phone that Facebook was only on his phone. Oh yeah. So when I told him (laughs) that his account got hacked, he's like, I don't have my account anymore because I lost my phone. so... You can just sign in from yeah. anywhere. Your account's still there and you need to log in <laughs> oh my to, to not be like sending out these spam requests. Wow. Uh, so I sent him a Christmas card. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. That, so that's all he needs to see from you. <laughs> so
3: I'm not going to connect with him on social media because he's not on now.
2: I, I guess if I'm going to do some kind of Christmas card, I need to get on it. I you got do. a dog I can show off. Yeah, you uh, can send him
3: pictures. You know
2: what my mom used to do? What? She w- would get so into the Christmas cards. So she would... She wouldn't just do the card. Mm. She would do a letter to everybody because she's like... Like if,
3: update from the year? Yep,
2: yeah, a year in review. Mm-hmm. And she's like, if if, if I'm going to send out a card, like it better be worth people's while. It's not just going to be a picture they throw in the garbage. So she wants to send out a letter so they, everybody gets an update. Yeah. Uh, and But she wouldn't just write like a standard letter. She would make it like... Uh, she, she would do a different theme every year where it was like one year it was like she was... We were a rock band. Everybody Ah, in the band was a rock band. And one, one year was like everybody in the, uh, a review of everybody as if it was a a sports season, like Aww. all of our stats from the year and she made she do that? uh the picture. No, uh the pictures were just pretty standard usually, mm. although that we did have a cool one when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But no, the it was the letter that she would write it as if it was like a news article about us.
3: It yeah. Like it was an email.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. she was she was way into it. I don't know if she still does that? She doesn't consult me. Well, if now she that does. you're not at
3: the house anymore, yeah, she
2: doesn't have any. Stats now that I'm not a, a famous morning show host, yeah. there's no accomplishments left to update people on.
3: Eric has one relative who would do that. And we didn't know him very well. So, I'm like, why am I getting this letter yeah, of, like, all that's of these right, details? I
2: thought when my mom sent this out, I was like, that's kind of like, weird for some people. It's a bit
3: people. much. And it was like a whole scrapbook thing of it. <laughs> like, it was a lot of pictures and, like, uh, crafty sort of things. Yeah. And then you'd feel bad because what do you do when you get a Christmas card?
2: You have to send one back, right?
3: No. Oh, you throw it
1: away. I thought, it Yeah.
3: It's <laughs> <away. laughs> like, I'm sorry
1: I'm throwing away your big project. Yeah. If they keep talking long enough, they're bound to say something that you agree with. The Riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U. I, uh,
2: I, I know you're St. Nikki, and I'm Hudfather Christmas. Yeah. We need a Christmas name for everybody, including, uh, definitely Isaiah. Oh
3: yeah, what would his be? Hmm, what would it be? Uh, Anybody want to
2: text in some idea? I, I, the only thing that comes to mind is, Isaiah, can you see? But that'd be definitely for, like, 4th
3: of July. 4th of July. <laughs> That's a good question. All we right, need well, a good
2: uh, Christmas pun for Isaiah. Isaiah. Even though I hate these. Like, I really do hate them. But I also want to come up with them.
3: It's good, like, for social media. So you change your, you know, your vanity name. Yeah. And so you can make it like a Christmas one. But, yeah, what would Isaiah be?
2: Hmm. <sighs> There's got to be a Christmas song that Isaiah could fit into.
3: Okay, we'll have to think about this.
2: Isaiah, Isaiah. No. making him fog, foghorn. He <laughs> no. could definitely be foghorn leghorn. No,
3: I don't think so. No, <laughs> totally No, no, could. No, no. It's uh,
2: Space Jam 2 came out earlier this year, so it's timely.
3: Oh, yeah. You're right on time. <laughs> it needs to be Christmassy. Uh
2: I just, I'm just i going to come up with a bunch of Isaiah puns that don't have anything to do with Christmas. Christmas
3: words that start with I. <laughs> Let's see if a Google search will help.
2: This is great.
3: Ice. Something with ice. I,
2: other, yeah, you're right. Um, ice. Emmanuel. Ice. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. No. no.
3: <laughs> I mean, that does kind of work for winter.
2: Uh, ice.
3: <laughs> Are you stalling? Yeah, I'm just you're saying ice over and oh, over again. Icicle. Something with I, icicle? But there's no
2: songs with icicle in it. It does not have it to be. It doesn't have song. to be a song. You're it's right. about
3: winter or Christmas.
2: Um, I'm
3: just Isaiah, you. Isaiah Sickle. Isaiah Sickle? <laughs> no, I think mean, that works.
2: No, that's not good enough. Uh,
3: something with one of the reindeers, maybe. Uh,
2: Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. Hey, I didn't know I could name all the reindeer. Good job. Uh, what do you win for that? None of those tie into Isaiah whatsoever.
3: Well, we could also ask him if he has any ideas. Yeah,
2: we might have to circle back, to, but who wants to hear us try to come up with this even longer? Oh, just, no,
3: this is fine. This is
2: the best radio <laughs> we've ever done, isn't it? Uh, me just saying ice over and over again.
3: Basically, the only I word I can find when I Google it is icicles. There's
2: got to be something with ice, but it, it wouldn't be, it's not the song title. What like no. I, I just think it's easiest if it's a song.
3: So wait, what's there's Heat Miser and then Snow
2: Miser. Snow Miser. He's not Ice Miser. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately.
3: All right, keep working on it, guys. <laughs> yeah. If anybody comes up with a vanity like, Christmas name,
2: for is there him, a Christmas movie with ice in the name, or
3: you know, you're you're asking? Me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> why is to it so do, hard? You're gonna have to do some searches because it's I. Yeah, it's not a as used. But is
2: there something with like a C in it? You know, like like cookies? <laughs> no, no, like. Like, I see that. Oh, I gotcha. I see that I see that Christmas is coming. <laughs>
3: You're just a wreck with this. This is
2: the, it's not, I see... on the fly, not really great. I see. Unless, him. It, except for Isaiah, can you see? That's, that's gold right okay, there. Okay,
3: now you didn't put your name, but someone texted in Isaiah Frost.
2: What's that supposed to be?
3: Like Mr. Frost thing. Like
2: Jack Frost? Yeah,
3: like Jack Frost. But-
2: that could be any name, though. Okay, you could you know be what? Nikki Frost. Okay,
3: never mind. You could never be mind. <laughs> he, Isaiah gets nothing. Greg
2: Frost. It could, <laughs> anybody could be Frost.
3: I think it works well. So yeah, if you have an if, idea, I mean, it's, it's
2: our lat. It's if we can come up with nothing else, it could be Isaiah Frost. This
3: is easy for me because you know I could be Saint Nikki. Yeah, and Hud Father Hud Christmas. Hud Father for, Christmas is just obvious. That works too. Maybe we just
2: need to be a little more creative with it. And but. you need
3: to be a bit more accepting Uh-oh. that if we get, then we're just not going to come <gasps> up with the perfect. Snow like
2: Snow Mizea? Yeah. There we go. Snow Mizea. Yeah, all right. That, all right. I think I can roll with that.
3: Ashley said Igloo. That could kind of work, Ig- too.
2: Hmm.
3: Oh, Laura says Isaiah Mommy kissing Santa Claus.
2: Hey, see? That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Mommy <laughs> kissing Santa Claus.
3: Okay, you go tell <laughs> yeah, them what ch- we will choose. Yeah,
1: all right. Worst of the Riot Podcast. Isaiah,
2: uh, well, we're also accepting... People texting in uh, with Christmas names for Isaiah. Do you have a good one? For yourself? I don't. I you don't know? even
4: like. There, it's like hard to do like a nickname off of Isaiah because it's like there's so well, the many I, vowels. Idea. Yeah, there's a lot right. going on there. And so Christmas names, if you can get a good one, I'd be very impressed because there's like nothing. Like what, what could you even say? I don't even know. So
3: then what you do is so like on your Instagram, you would change your name to be your Christmas name. Yeah, yeah. Not, if we
4: can come up with one, if, your, if we can come up with one, yeah. I
3: know people had some good choices, but you wouldn't change like your official name, your handle. Yeah, you change your it's handle. Just be your
2: ty- you, so I really liked Isaiah saw mommy kissing. <laughs> yeah,
4: I know. I was that's the one that I heard that like stuck out. I was like, what are they talking about right now? Like what even is this? That was it.
2: That was it. All right. Well, that's not the matter at hand is not that. It is uh working from home where I thought you might appreciate this for some reason, Isaiah. I don't know why I thought that you might appreciate this out of everybody, but Uh, You know, with everybody working from home over the past year and a half or whatever, people are getting concerned about they don't want their bosses or their colleagues to see if they're either uh, away on their work chat because Mm -hmm. after a certain amount of time. It'll set, set your status to away if you aren't, like, moving around on the computer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and also, some companies even track even more to check if your mouse is moving or your keyboard, if you're typing on it, Basically, to make sure that you're actually doing something. You
3: can't be inactive for so much time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, uh, so what some people are doing is uh, getting mouse movers. Where uh, it's either you can get software, or you can just get people to like, remo- I guess maybe remotely log in and do it for you, and they will move your mouse around so that it it looks like if you step away and go to the bathroom or something, or you just want to slack off, uh, that you're still working even though you're not.
3: How amazing would it be if you took a job moving remotely someone's mouse? Yeah, It'd be
4: incredible. It for would someone be
3: someone who didn't want to do this. Finally, job.
2: something I'm
4: good at. <laughs> yeah, you can do this. <laughs> I could do that during the day here, as I'm doing my work. I could just have my other hand yeah, on a different mouse, right? just moving it around the whole For time. Else. This is funny because, like, like my roommate, I say he works remotely all the time. Yeah. And so, like, when I come in and like talk to him, and he'll be like laying down in his bed or doing what like typically like remote workers do, nothing. And so then I'll uh, <laughs> I'll sit down at like and talk to him, and he'll like move my mouse real quick so my screen doesn't go yes. black. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'll move his mouse so like his screen stays up, so he's like active and like he can also log in like. From his phone, like his his company uses like Microsoft Teams or something. So if he has his phone open, like not like locked, it shows that he's active. So he like set it to where like his screen doesn't lock, like after like yeah. five minutes or ten oh, minutes, yeah. you know, like it will just go black. His doesn't do that, so he can just set his phone down, like if we're somewhere That's and why. he's logged in. And they need like a mouse tracker on him though. They but, need so they can see yeah, if he's typing on the well, keyboard. Because I just kind of move that thing for him every couple. Just minutes. wait
2: till they audit and like <laughs> they're like, why is the mouse moving so sprat? Why are you just? Why is it always just spinning around in a circle? Yeah, I don't think every they can eleven tell minutes. That, but
3: <laughs> it is, you know, like, and that's not fair. So a lot of times with remote workers, you know, you start work at like two o'clock on Friday, mm, and yeah. you just try to get your whole work, of, yeah. your whole week of work done in those, you know, couple of hours. Yeah, uh, but yeah, people have come up with. All, tons of creative things. You can tie like a fan to your mouse, oh, and yeah? so as it oscillates, you know, it goes <laughs> <It'll> different make... <laughs> directions. It'll move your mouse and stuff. Yeah. There's tons of things you can get.
2: Oh my gosh! You
3: can uh, tie it to like your dog. You can tie
4: it to is... your dog. <laughs> I know. I've
2: seen like also.
4: There's like certain programs too where like. They have, like, a weight thing that you can put on your yeah. space bar. And so I know a lot of people have done that like to keep them active yeah. on the computer. put
3: in more effort to not work, yeah. work hey. Then if you just did your work. It's yeah. what
2: I always say. you got to work smart, not hard. Not hard. And <laughs> that is working smart. The weight on the space bar, the mouse mover that automatically moves your mouse, man, that's, uh, that's efficiency right there. If you can get the amount of work that they want you to get done done in the amount of time they want then you can slack off all the rest of the time that's the beauty of having uh, like the goals and the lists of stuff you need to get done that is
4: like work though in general it's like how much can i do but like at the least as possible like how Perfect. much do you expect me to do and then once i get there i'm like all right, maybe I'll do a couple more well, things. Well, it seems
3: <laughs> like if you guys want any help on how to achieve the dream, uh-huh. uh, if you feel free to text eight seven seven two Radio You, we're going to forward those to Isaiah's roommate, who's yeah. been oh, cheating yeah. them all along. Cheating the
2: system <laughs> <we> for months. we really <laughs> need to make sure you've given away your roommate's name and everything. We've got to be very careful. That, it's only totally uh, a matter of time. I'm going to come in one morning not and, listening. and be
4: like, Andrew got fired.
3: Hey, <laughs> he wouldn't know. He hasn't checked in no, yet. Yeah, yeah. No, no
4: he yeah, has no idea.
1: No idea. Well, that's enough of that. For more Riot content, head to riot.radiou.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please head
6: over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Stop.
0: This is episode 2 of the Hands Around the World podcast. This week your hosts Cal and Dog discussed PlayStation Spartacus, Warzone's new map, Ubisoft Quartz, Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition, Battlefield 2042 and Ludwig leaving Twitch.
6: So, rumors are swirling out of PlayStation. They're not necessarily rumors because it feels like something that everybody knows already. However, PlayStation hasn't gone ahead and officially announced it. PlayStation is working on something that they call Spartacus, um, which, in short, is basically like PlayStation's version of Game Pass. The very, very short notes on it is that it's rumored to be releasing spring 2022. Took me a second to stumble over that for some reason. Um, It's going to be a tiered system. I believe quotes that I have seen is Um, 15-ish American prices, but the the quick look around seems to be that it, it will scale. So it's $15 here, $15 there, all of that. Bare minimum, I'm not seeing theories over $20. What it's going to include is a bunch of Sony titles. I know you're all surprised me too, but, but you're the, one of the main draws or the main things that people are talking about is you're going to get access to their library of classic games, PS1, PS2, PS3, and PSP. Now, the thing is, based on, you know, what's kind of out there right now, it sounds like if you want to get access to all of these retro games, you're going to have to pay for the upper tier um, package, essentially. The other thing, too, that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, and this is one of the many positives about Microsoft's Game Pass right now, is when a new game comes out and you have Game Pass, you get to play it. Day one, brand new game. Boom, there you go. Which is a massive, in my opinion, a massive selling feature to games, uh, to to Game Pass, especially if you're you know kind of in the content creation sphere and you're just constantly ripping through new games. You're not going to spend Canadian $90 or whatever the equivalent is in your region, um, for a brand new game. Now, the thing is, Sony's does not include that. Um, Jason Schreier, pretty big name in the whole gaming sphere. Um, has said that you we we shouldn't be expecting Sony to include its big new games, day one, like Game Pass. However, um, it's definitely going to have a stronger offering than their current PlayStation Now um, marketplace, I guess you could say. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, I will say that, that PlayStation has a lot of... As somebody who owns a PlayStation 4 myself as a paperweight... Um <laughs> one of one of the things that I do like about PlayStation is a lot of their exclusive titles are phenomenal. God of War was really really good. Um uh you know Horizon Zero Dawn for for a for a period there while it was exclusive was really really good. So so PlayStation does have really really good exclusives, but if I can't play them brand new then really I feel like the only thing that makes me go I'm going to sign up to PlayStation as if I'm a big retro gamer and I want to play all the old PlayStation titles. Um, But yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how this goes. I feel like PlayStation is definitely behind in the whole live service game market, if that's what you want to call it. And we've, we've even seen PlayStation exclusive titles, again, like Horizon Zero Dawn. And God of War uh, coming to PC I, I, I don't know what their theory is behind that necessarily. I'm assuming it has something to do with uh, competing with Microsoft for PC access i I, I don't have a record of Sony's uh, sales numbers for PlayStation games in front of me, but maybe it is something to kind of increase their their revenue streams
0: well I mean I definitely know that they sold they've sold more consoles there's been more ps5 sold than um xbox the new ones what what are the new ones is it x is that what it is
6: uh, series, C- series x i think i just keep calling it the fridge which doesn't like which does which doesn't help anybody but yes i believe we're on series yeah because it went xbox one xbox series x that's what we're
0: i on mean it. i'll be honest i just refer to them as the playstation and the xbox um yeah. i realize that and that's I mean- not great because i know i realize that there's still a, a decent amount of people out there that are on the previous generation um it's just so hard as a non-console player uh to keep track of <laughs> what number of what we're on i'm gonna be honest yeah
6: um
0: yeah the, the figures here they've sold about two million more playstations i don't know i, I can't see anything at the moment about the games figures um I, so I, I think you touched upon a couple of a real uh, uh, uh big points there um PlayStation is certainly the PlayStation 4. It was known for its exclusive titles, right? That was that was a huge selling point. It was a huge... It was a major decision that Sony uh, made about the PlayStation 4 uh, in response to how the PlayStation uh, 3 had performed against the 360, right? Um, and I... Uh, and it was a great move, right? It was a great move. It, it kind of put it put the ball back in, in uh, Sony's court. They took a bigger chunk of the market, and that seems to have carried over, at least in uh, console sales-wise, uh, into this generation as well. The thing is, though, Microsoft have went out, the Xbox Games Pass is... I think it's massive. Um, it's, um, as you see, the, the, the ability to play... New titles on day one is huge. It's massive. Uh, the reality is that um, there are very few of us are able to buy every single game that we would want to play, um, and so giving people the ability to not have to buy every single game is it's huge, right? It's it's absolutely huge. Um, of course, at the moment it's all it's all rumors and stuff. What I'm in, actually interested to see is, will this, um, will this PlayStation Pass or Game Pass, or uh, uh, is it Spartacus? That's what it's called. Sorry, will Spartacus um, please stand up? No, sorry, will Spartacus? Um, will this mean that we're, we're going to see more PlayStation titles on PC? Uh, because obviously, there's the crossover with um, the Game Pass. You know, Microsoft offers the Xbox Game Pass. There's also a PC version as well. Um, are we going to see uh, PlayStation try to make more moves into PC? I certainly think they need to, um, because as it stands, Microsoft are kind of well, you know, they're getting a double bite right now of the Apple. You know, the the they've obviously got the 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 Xbox market, uh, but they're also getting money from. The PC market, for example, I have Game Pass. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I don't own any consoles. Uh, my 360's up in the top of the shelves somewhere, gathering dust. Other than that, I don't own any consoles. So, that's money that Microsoft is getting from me that they wouldn't have been getting. There was just no way that they were getting it any other, you know, uh, with uh, through any other avenue. So... It'll be interesting to see if this does mean we're going to see more PlayStation titles come to PC, and I would be really, really happy to see that. Um, I have to say, there have been several games on the on, on PlayStation in recent times that have really been itching to play. Uh, the Spider-Man games. Uh, you mentioned God of War. Um, we obviously got Detroit Become Human, and... Horizon Zero Dawn uh, uh, ported to PC and Days Gone as well, which I played and loved every single moment of. Fantastic game, really, really awesome game, uh, and I was very happy to see it uh, uh, ported onto PC. Uh, but from my and I suppose you could say this is very, you know, this is very, you know, selfish view. Uh, I'm very interested to see what the, what this means for PlayStation and PC. Hmm.
6: I uh, much like you. There are games that that you know I would like to see as well. Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I'd really like to play the Final Fantasy VII remake. And like I said, I have a PlayStation Four. In fact, it's in the next room, collecting dust. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing for me is like, sure, I could go out. I get those games tomorrow. I could sit down and play them. But like my entire gaming sphere is my computer i would rather play my computer than my playstation that's just a personal choice and so if i if i can get some of these games from playstation on computer you can bet that i'm gonna buy them for i've god of war on my playstation still haven't beat it but you can bet that as soon as it comes to steam i'm gonna buy a copy of it so i don't have to fire up my playstation
0: yeah yeah
6: um but yeah i'm going to be interested to see what the what the playstation pc relationship is going to be like going forward
0: yeah it's very exciting and i mean if, obviously as well like if you're a, if you're a playstation owner this is fantastic news as well for you um reg- regardless if you're a, a a retro gamer or not the access to the all those old titles there are a huge amount of titles uh on all the previous uh, playstation platforms um or consoles, I should say. Um, so, you know, even if you're not a huge retro gamer, there are plenty of titles there that are well worth playing, you know? Uh, awesome. And and getting access to them uh, for free is fantastic, you know? Um, you know, we always... We're all gamers. We've all been there. We've got our favourite games. We've got the games that are, that are out. But now and again, we just... You know, you get an itch for playing something that's just... I don't know what I want to play, you know, and having a big list of games there that you are like—that's one of the things I love about Game Pass, you know. Just thinking, Ugh, I don't know what to play, and then scrolling through and thinking, oh, you know what, I'll give that a go. You know, it's—I think it's—I think it's, I think it's uh, a really great addition uh, to your gaming experience. Uh, so yeah, regardless, regardless of, you know whether it means more stuff is coming to PC, it's certainly. Uh, Something that I'm sure PlayStation owners will be welcoming and excited to see uh, exactly uh, how it's going to play out. Well,
6: and 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 the thing with a Game Pass like system is that like honestly, it's to some degree it's nothing but W's. Like I'm I'm someone who prefers to own the copies of my game. Yeah. But like if you've got if if you if you're rocking Game Pass and like you said you're looking for something to play, you're not losing anything. If yeah. you install a game, fire it up, and you're like, nah, this is kind of shit," then just uninstall it. It, it. It's it's not like, "Oh, I played this," or you know, you don't have to worry about refunding it to the store if it's a hard copy. You don't have to worry about if you're under Steam's two-hour policy. You just you just, I don't like it. Uninstall
0: it. Boom. Yeah, that's it. Is it's it's a very sort of it's a very freeing thing because you know it's you you will try more games because of it. You know. Um, I certainly know myself there are games that I look at and I think ah, that's interesting, I might uh, but I don't want to pay for that I can't, you know, like, and because we don't you know, not every, we don't all have money to uh, to buy every related game that's out there <laughs> right? I mean, I wish yeah. I, I wish we all did
6: but... <laughs> Well, and I think it allows you to, to dabble and experiment a lot more, yeah. because since they're free you're going to play games that you were never going to play mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. but if you have access to it, you know, why not? Might as well.
0: Yeah, it's very, so it's it's very exciting news for PlayStation owners, and <coughs> excuse me, might might be more uh, exciting news for PC owners as well. But this is another thing. Uh, this is really good because uh, there's a lot of content that we're going to be able to come back to. Um, and this is another one of these things. Uh, one of these things as we begin to hear more about it, uh, looking towards an effect, some sort of official announcement from uh, Sony about it.
6: Yeah and and like I said it's just rumors right now so you know maybe maybe something will 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 change going forward before release who knows maybe maybe this isn't actually the real spartacus
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, like was, was how long have you been waiting to what that in? Like the whole segment, or just from when I said, "Well, you know, stand up." Like- uh,
6: the, the minute you said, "Please stand up," I had that joke <laughs> ready to go, but like there was there, there was there was no way I was transitioning into that in a smooth thing, so <laughs> I, I held on to it for a little bit.
0: I appreciate it. I mean, I don't, you know, I hope the listeners uh, do it as well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, for I'm- those
6: who don't know, there was a movie called No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, well, you know, these things are um it's good to talk about it's good to talk about positive things, you know? Uh, and this is certainly something that is uh looks to be positive. Um uh, the, the, uh, at the moment there's a lot of um uh, there's a lot of things we can focus on that aren't so positive in gaming, uh, right across the scale. So it's great to see positive things uh like this proposed um Project Spartacus, you know, uh, PlayStation Game Pass, you know, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see what it brings. And, hey, like anything, you know, anything, any competition between these two um, that forces them to up their game and to do more things for the consumer, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing for us, you know, uh, for all of us as, as, as game consumers. So, uh, more, please.
6: Good news, Warzone fans! Verdansk is dead. Well, it'll be shortly dead. Um, at least that's what that's what I'm seeing in the social media spheres. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Warzone, I believe, I think off the top of my head, it's the ninth, is releasing a Pacific map, which will finally take us away from the map that we've known for how many
0: years now? Like about a, two. Like- it's 2 years? Well over 2 maybe, yeah.
6: Yeah, uh so new map, new redesign, uh this is going to with with this you're getting the kind of major things are new map, Vanguard's uh weapon system and or or shooting mechanics, I believe as well as um something else. <laughs> That is that is that is that is now faded to memory and uh, an, so that's it that yeah. was the one that i missed yeah. the anti the anti cheat sorry i keep forgetting that as, as much as they hype up the anti cheat it's already ineffective and so it just kind of <laughs> slipped my mind uh, <laughs> but yeah the the big news here is is things are changing for warzone and eh, eh, it's, that's it's about what you're getting out of me <laughs> full disclosure in my case though i again i am a little biased to this i'm not a warzone fan for i have played warzone i have put a decent amount of time into warzone playing with friends however for me i feel like the battle royale genre is nah, is kind of lukewarm at this point it it's i feel like unless something crazy comes out a lot of what has been done has been done. Now Call of Duty does definitely have its strengths. Warzone I, th- I think is a battle royale Uh does have a lot of strengths that it brought to the genre as a whole, but for right now uh, nah, I, I just, I don't care
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's fair, I think COD is very much a, it's a Marmite uh, if you will, game, you know you either, you either like COD or you don't like it at all um, yeah, the new map comes out and for at least 24 hours, if you don't own Vanguard, you will not have access to Zone, Um which is one way to go uh, about trying to uh, boost your flagging sales on your latest... Um, release, you know.
6: Are you talk are you are you talking about that title, Call of Duty Vanguard? The one that they had a free to play weekend on two weeks after release?
0: Yeah, I am talking about that one, yeah. Um uh, yeah. Two weeks a fortnight after release a free to play weekend. That's that's not a great sign. It's not a great sign.
6: Um Fortnite. I thought we were talking about Vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Anyway, back to what we were talking about.
0: So um yeah the new map's out. Uh apparently Apparently it's about thirty percent bigger. Um, although I have to say, just the way that the way that it looks, and the photograph actually looks kind of smaller for some reason.
6: Yeah. As- so that's one of the the that's one of the things that I thought as well. First looking at it. Now I should say, despite my distaste for Warzone, I pay attention to things in the gaming sphere. This is in the gaming sphere, so I have taken the time to 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 at least have a tertiary look at it. Um, I thought the same thing. People were saying the map looks huge or 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 larger when you from the content creators who i've watched who have played on the map running around it does feel larger, but when you look in just that map uh you know that map screen, it does look smaller, and I think that 's because um it 's an island yeah this this one is an island out in the Pacific as opposed to Verdansk, which is which i 'm assuming is continental. And so you kind of imagine a larger map outside of the mountain range. Whereas here, I know there's nothing outside of it except ocean.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely made to look smaller because it's a, it's uh, an island, and you know the 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 sea is right there as well, which is taken up some of the map that we're seeing. But I caught, like people were saying, if the squares are the same size, which we've no real reason to believe they're, they're not the same scale, um, working it out like that, the map is about. One third bigger. Um, it does look like there's a lo- most of the, in fact, out with fields and mines and whatever that is, uh, where the player actually is on the map right now. Um, most of the map, uh, uh, most of the, the, the locations are around the edge of the map. Uh, I wonder if that is because they've got plans to. Um, Add more into the map for events, for example. Uh, we know that um, Verdansk certainly changed um, multiple times uh, over its lifespan. Uh, with the stadium, for example, uh, was certainly something that changed a great deal, um, and parts of downtown and stuff as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So perhaps, perhaps these open spaces and um, are, you know, for the the ability to put uh, more stuff in later on, but I do have to say it it is very coast centric if that's a <laughs> if that's not a sort of misnomer that I'm saying there um so we'll see, we'll have to see how it plays out
6: yeah i I saw I, I like I said I watched a little bit of gameplay of it um they have planes on it now instead of helicopters which i which I think is interesting. I don't know if they're trying to do, you know, get kind of like dog fights going in the air or strafe runs or or, or what the deal is. I feel like airplanes were, I mean, at this point, without really seeing too much more gameplay, um, that I may or may not check out. Realistically, um, I, I don't know how I feel about airplanes. They're they're just kind of there. If I was a game developer, I don't know that that's what I would have chosen for air but I, I for the second world war like i don't really know what else you would go with which is which is which is another thing that i found interesting with the design choice is it has a lot of world war 2 pacific feels to it the planes are are you know second world war era um there's a lot of thatched huts which they're kind of going island in the pacific that sort of that sort of thing um but like you also have things too that I feel kind of ruin a lot of the cohesiveness in it. As as you would as I would imagine, and I didn't assume anything less. They're going to try and use, reuse different you know assets to save them time. So like you'll see airplane hangers where I'm like that is a Verdansk hanger, or you'll see the the buy box right. Instead of retooling the buy box to fit the area, it's still that high techy modern warfare. Buy box and it's just kind of like I I know these are these are honestly like micro critiques of things because really who's going to be paying attention to the buy box? But it's like every so often you just kind of have that. I I found while watching the map, I just kind of had that moment where I'm like, that's not really a Pacific entity. Um, there there was another thing that I thought was was interesting too, and this it talks a lot about the coastal thing. And I don't know if you'd seen videos of this, but I had seen a video of it on the. Not that in an audio ver- version anybody <laughs> can see a map, but in the top right corner of the map, the, the, the landmass kind of curves around and then juts out and back in. And on this, on this jut out, there's a lighthouse. Now, the thing is, when you, when you drop out of the plane on the way in, as if you, say, bank hard right to hit lighthouse, you actually go into an out-of-bounds area. So what you what you have to do is sail inland and then once you're past the 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 boundary you then have to hook right and then sail out into towards the ocean more in order to hit this lighthouse landmass and for me speaking of you know design ideas and and that sort of thing to me it's a little weird. Like, I think I, I, you know, thinking about it, I probably understand it as they're trying to block characters from, say, just like hanging out in the water. Um, but at the same time, like the the little three feet of of water's edge that you're going to get to just include it all in one big map, I don't necessarily think is game breaking. But I, I just thought it was weird and, and kind of interrupted the flow of the drop to have to go inland and bank right and then go out again in order to hit something that you could just drop out of your plane and go right
0: well getting back on to get back to what you were saying about uh, planes um i think it's a weird choice i'm just trying to think at how it plays out you know i've played a fair amount of warzone um i was actually playing it last night with matt and um helicopters you know, they're used for getting on top of buildings and stuff like that. You know, where you can land them, you know, and take off again. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, planes need a, something to a stretch to land on, you know. Um, it's it is going to completely change the way air play, uh, gameplay works, I feel. Um, which. I don't know, that might be a positive thing. And there might be a lot of people are saying, I can't wait for that. You know, there might be a lot of people that are not fans of helicopters, which is absolutely valid. But I don't know, it seems just like a a strange choice, you know, um, to actually have them in. Um, I would have been, in all honesty, I would have been tempted to go for some sort of gyrocopter, you know? um. I know that it's not really entirely. Um, period. Period. You know, but at the same time, uh, it just feels like a real strange. You know, the reality is a plane does not uh, fly, and you cannot do the same things with a plane that you can do with a helicopter, and vice versa. You know, um, so it's an it's it's an interesting and weird change to me. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, there's, you know, this is before the map launches, so um, we'll see how smoothly that goes. I'm sure again will be coming. This is another topic we'll definitely be coming back to. Uh, I don't doubt. We'll see. Um, we'll see how they get on with their new anti cheat as well.
6: Well, and, and one thing just to touch on that, that I totally didn't think about until you brought it up, which is the idea of n- needing a runway. You need a, you need a lead up. So not having a map in front of me, right. This second, my question then is how many airstrips are on the Island and how does that affect them? The, the meta, are people going to be like, well, we got to drop airports so we can get control of the planes or do people care? I don't think you necessarily need to worry about places to land because I feel like they're not going to land when people reach where they're going to reach, at least in some of the previews that I saw. Um, these content creators would get up in the sky they'd fly around and then when they were done with it they'd just say screw it and drop out of the yeah you know drop drop out drop out of the plane and wherever the plane lands the plane lands yeah the one thing that i also just thought of is remember how in helicopters when there were people um parachuting you'd you'd have people who would try to get the rotors to to chop the uh, yeah you know chop whoever's flying Because with a plane, you just need to fly straight at them. Do you think that makes it easier to get rotor kills
0: (laughs) out here asking the real questions? Out here asking the real questions. Um, I mean, if let's okay, it's not convenient by any means, it's not convenient by any means. Technically, it should actually cause you more issues. I would, um, I would say, you know, because you get the body coming at you, you know, uh, but that's quite a you know, it's an interesting. It's an interesting. The uh, what do you call it? Question
6: <laughs> I here asking the important ones. That's all. Asking can. asking the important questions. I, I I feel like you're up and down. Like if you need to dive or whatever, would be more efficient. Enough. But <laughs> re- regardless of how how that would function. Uh One other thing that uh, popped up for me as well is the battle pass.
0: Oh um, right, this is a, yeah yeah yeah
6: big big
0: changes in the Battle Pass. Yeah, big changes in the Battle Pass. The major ones being that there are two perks in the Battle Pass. Um, and from what I've seen, those perks will be earnable whether you uh, buy the Battle Pass or not. There's a free Battle Pass uh, and also a paid-for Battle Pass. Um, so the perks, they're not hidden behind a paywall, but they are hidden behind um a time sink, a time investment. um So, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to be honest. This feels like the final stage boss in some ways. <laughs> you know, like you know, yeah. uh, like just these are core game elements, right? Just put them in the game, <laughs>
6: right? Well, and 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 just to as a as as kind of some context for for those listening. I'm just going to run down at least the, the, I, I don't know if there's more, but according to what I'm looking at, these are the, these are the two perks that are in question for me. So Serpentine, which is a perk one tier 21 of the season one battle pass is sprinting reduces incoming damage. The second is intuition, which is also a perk one slot at tier 44 of the season one battle pass. Your vision pulses when enemies are nearby, even through walls. So you're giving, you're actively giving players walls and sprinting reduces incoming damage, which let's be honest, we all sprint everywhere.
0: All the time, yeah, yeah. So just, well, I mean, so without, without t- even touching on what the hell with the god modes and and, and and wall hacks, yeah, something that's just come up to me right now Say, for example, I play the Season 1 and I get those perks, right? And you don't play Season 1. You start in Season 2 or Season 3 or what, or whatever. Do you not have access to those perks? Do I have perks now that you can't get? You know?
6: Now, now Dog's out here asking the questions.
0: Is that... Is that I mean... It, that to me, so so here's the thing because you know they're, they're, it's not behind a paywall they say right, it is, but it is behind a, a a time served if you will right. Um, what about people that, that don't get into the game straight away, um, they're punished for coming to the game late. I don't know. This seems really or you know what's going to happen then? Will the perks be there? But then then they will be behind a paywall. Um, yeah,
6: or, or some sort of, like, massive grind fest. The other the, the other thing that I just thought about with this as well, and, and maybe you know because, like I say, I, I haven't played massive amounts of Warzone. Um, can you buy tiers?
0: You can buy tiers. Yeah, you can buy tiers.
6: Do you, do, you, do you think there's a chance that, I mean, maybe not with intuition necessarily, but, like, with Serpentine, do you think we get to a point where people are just like, ah, it's tier 21, like, screw it, here's 20 bucks, and now I'm in, you know
0: um maybe i'm trying to think about how how my i mean and obviously it's not necessary that this battle pass will go at the same rate as previous battle passes you know yeah Uh, but i'm trying to think of my last battle pass there and how long it took me to get to level 20 i don't i don't know for the first one if people would you know um i mean both the perks are under 50 levels Mm. um which is a don't get me wrong. That's still a decent amount of time playing. You know, that's not. It's not. It's not a short time playing uh, for the av- for the average player. You know, um, I don't know. I really, I really don't like this at all. This. I remember. I remember joking about a certain company. Um, um, well, I'll just name them. EA. I remember joking at one point saying sooner or later, uh, EA would add microtransactions into. Uh, you know the sports games for you want to you know take a penalty kick and that kind of stuff um this feels dangerously close to that um yeah again I, you know i realize it's not it's not you don't have to pay money for these i just don't know how i feel about having core elements of a game like that linked to a battle pass you know it's yeah. it, it just seems <sighs> mm-hmm. it, uh, it, uh, it just, for lack, just, of, for lack of better phrasing yeah there we go it's just yeah. it just doesn't sit right with me you know like uh, i don't know i'm not i don't like it i don't like it at all yeah
6: well I, I i think at this point like you said the only the only real thing to do is just wait till the map releases wait till the battle pass releases and we'll see how this how this all works going forward maybe there's maybe there's something that i'm missing or you're missing or we're missing or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. but uh yeah i think only time will tell to see how this all functions
0: oh absolutely and no doubt we will be coming back to this and uh, no doubt we'll be coming back to this i want to see the reaction uh there's already been from some from some pro players and stuff and content creators there's already been a oh not sure about that um and you have to say you know these are the people that are going to be least affected with these things because they play the most time they will get these uh, perks you know <laughs> they're, they're they're getting their level 100 battle pass uh ground ground and in, in, in no time at all do you know what i mean so um when content creators in this are, are saying oh, uh, it's not entirely a great sign so no doubt we'll be coming back to this
6: you know what on on second thought just before just 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 while I think about it maybe I actually like the idea of serpentine because because now going forward I have something to blame my piss poor aim on because now I'm not missing I'm not missing the target serpentine is just negating all the damage I'm
0: trying to do so are you telling me that serpentine might actually get you playing wozon <laughs> No, no yeah. not a chance. Sorry. <laughs> I, I d I don't know I don't know
6: why I just lied to everybody.
0: I thought we had him. I thought we had him there. <laughs> you trad, you trad. So I don't know if you heard uh Ubisoft have announced uh they're gonna have NFT cosmetics in their games.
6: Love it. Love to love to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um I just seen it earlier on. I thought we have to, we have to at least uh, touch on this a little bit. Um, uh, so it's getting released in Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, if you play six hundred hours of Ghost Recon Breakpoint, you can claim a helmet that you can sell basically for crypto. Uh, it's a blockchain-powered NFT cosmetic system uh, called Digits. Uh, I think the whole operation is called Ubisoft Quartz. Uh, but the NFT says that items are called digits, each obviously limited, uh, with a unique serial number that will be visible on the actual item itself. Uh, and uh, user, the, uh, digits, uh, the the owner's digits of owner of the digits metadata, i.e. your Ubisoft Connect name, will be put in the metadata. And every time it's sold, uh, each owner's username will be added onto it, uh, meaning that the creates a history of the ownership of the NFT. Uh, At first glance, and I think this is all we can really do at the moment, because it's very, very limited what they've put out, and it's very hard to actually get onto their website. Um, Their website, for some reason, will not allow me on. Apparently, I'm not in the right region for it, so maybe the UK government is uh, not allowing (laughs) this this stuff. But um, to me, it kind of looks like they're trying to cross the, the CSGO skins Um, feature with blockchain NFT and I don't know if that's a great idea if I'm honest
6: yeah so I will say after hearing that I'll give credit where credit is due I do think if you're going to have something like an NFT being passed around to people I think having um, a history or provenance or you know whatever you want to call it I think is a cool idea as far as NFTs go that being said and as a precursor, no shade to the people who are really into NFTs, I'm not one of those people, so this is a little bit of bias, but like can we stop with the NFTs at this point? Like it it, it feels like the more kind of NFTs that start to generate, the more of a mockery to me anyway, the system kind of becomes. And the unfortunate thing is we've seen announcements from, you know, EA and Ubi and other people or not announcements, but we've, we've seen articles about NFTs in the gaming sphere generally, where they're where, where EA is like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to look to get into this or Ubi's like, yeah, we're going to look to get into this. And it's like, yeah, I guess like if you're going to jump into NFTs, like now's the time to do it when it's booming and super popular but like to me i just kind of like look in the back of my or you know kind of think in the back of my head where it's like all right now how are you going to screw me on this
0: yeah yeah i mean let's be honest i mean so from my opinion the nfts are the the a hugely wasteful um trinket right it's are something you, are that you uses one of those right clickers. Doug? Oh, I'm a right clicker. I'm right <laughs> clicking. I, I have a folder on my desktop that's worth. I, I mean, according to the numbers they're putting out, about four trillion Ethereum. Do you know what I mean? Uh, hey buddy, this
6: this podcast getting an update with that money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, like. Um, I'm not a fan of NFTs. I'm not a fan of, of the way blockchain is being is being used. Um, uh, you know, this is a, this is actually something we could do a longer episode on, and uh, and, and I have a a, a guest in mind, but that's another that's another point. But the thing for me is, like you said, uh, how are you scamming me? Look, Ubisoft aren't doing this to lose money, right? Um, so we definitely know they're doing it to make money. But the thing is, for me, it's Ubisoft. Ubisoft has shown, to my mind, um, has shown over the last five or more years that they don't even know how to do games correctly. You know? No, Um,
6: and and I would agree with you on that.
0: You know, they've kicked the arse out of all their titles. Um, They've made them all generic. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, th- this is this is what they get famous doing—making games—and they've become awful, awful, awful at it. And we have to trust them with um, blockchain and NFT and, and 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 basically what would amount to investment. You know, they're talking about playing a certain amount of time to 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 earn these things, regardless of if, if it's only time that people's putting in. Which I mean, only time. <laughs> um the moment people own these things, it becomes, it becomes a different thing completely. You know, um, it, um, it's 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 like owning stocks, you know, uh, and they're affected by outside things. Um, I don't really think that it's such a great idea to just be willy nilly bringing these things in, you know. Um, I mean, my thoughts on this are, will fall on on. I would imagine largely deaf ears. Um, it looks like we're heading this way, regardless of whether there are uh, possible underlying issues f- uh, for people, for younger people getting involved in these kind of financial things. You know, um, for example, we've seen we've seen people we've seen trends in the past that that, are, uh, that allowed uh, people to trade shares uh, that resulted in folk losing more money than they'll ever be able to see in their entire life you know um so i'm sure somebody will be saying sitting tutting and, and saying this is not how nfts work money's money and the moment it's involved people's attitudes change and it becomes a different it has a different effect so yeah i'm not entirely sure i'm not a fan of this uh but we'll see well especially especially since it's ubisoft doing it as i say uh, if there's any company in the world that I wouldn't be trusting uh, it's with an investment or to, you know... Because um, imagine imagine you've got something that's worth... Just, I don't know, imagine imagine it's worth X amount of Bitcoin, right? Imagine, even imagine it's worth 10 Bitcoin, right? And it's there and it's yours and you have it, you know? And then Ubisoft do one of the Ubisoft things and it's not there anymore, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and I,
6: I, I think if we kind of separate the two like if nfts are a thing and people do whatever they wish with nfts like that's sure more more power to you but i think when you start and again i have a i have a surface level knowledge of nfts so there's a very good chance that i'm incorrect in in you know some of my assumptions for this but if you're doing nfts like light it up do nfts whatever you want to do but i think you start getting into Dangerous waters when it starts being incorporated into gaming, because now your audience isn't necessarily responsible adults. Let's say who are who are who are making these investments knowingly. You have, um, you know, younger gamers who have been preyed upon by companies before we've seen it with things like overspending parents credit cards with with Fortnite uh items we've seen um you know predatory tactics coming out of loot boxes and my question is again because i don't trust a lot of these companies specifically how are you going to prey upon people this time and the thing and the and the thing is that i think this nft thing screams to me as well not not necessarily nfts in gaming as a whole but with Ubisoft specifically, Ubisoft, in my opinion, is a shell of itself. When you when you have a company that has been releasing bangers for years, the assassins, or, uh, you know, Assassin Creed two series, the original Splinter Cells, uh, Rainbow Six, Beyond Good and Evil, like all of these games that it for me in my gaming journey have all been like massive massively influential titles to me you're now at a company that feels like it's grasping at straws it's grasping for something to hit and it doesn't really care what that is free to play shooters boom free to play play shooters milking people out of microtransactions boom microtransactions nfts are going to be a thing boom nfts it doesn't it doesn't seem like ubi has a plan anymore they're just they're just making things and the downside is it would be one thing if they tried to lie to me but they're not even doing that like i'm looking at what they're doing and i'm just like you're gonna try and scam me out of money you're the 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 products aren't good the tactics aren't good ubi In my opinion, like I said, is a shell of itself, and it's grasping at straws to function. And that's not even touching the in-house workplace environment issues.
0: Well, this is—that's you know—that was something I was just going to touch on. Just and mention what you just uh, before I talk about this. um, They're talking about how opening an Assassin's Creed theme park. Jesus, You know, like, just to add to what you're saying, because Ubi, the only thing it looks like Ubi wants is money, and it doesn't matter what source it comes from, or, you know, what they have to do to get it, they just seem, is that, can we make money from that? Let's do that. That's, you know, there doesn't seem to be any passion about it, you know? Like a
6: theme park, like, sorry to interrupt, but Ubi, a theme park? Really, guys? Yeah. Like, a theme park.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Like, there's
6: not there's there's not much more to say on that for me except a theme park, really.
0: Yeah. And and you know, as a final, as a, just a final wrap up on it, they've jumped fa- they jumped faster on this NFT trend than they have to sorting out their uh, sexual harassment issues um, and the and in house ones. You know, um, as their still workers reporting that they don't feel comfortable and safe in their environment. So yeah, Ubi are, Ubi are fast becoming m- my least favorite company which is crazy to me cuz there was a period of time where if there was a new game coming out I was buying it you know. Um I have I, 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 um, I have so many titles on my Uplay or my whatever it's called now Uconnect, connect whatever the hell it is that they call it. Now. They
6: change it every they change it every 4 weeks. Like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, um not a good look not to me. No I'm 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 not I'm not into this idea at all. So we'll see. Um, and this is another topic that I'm pretty sure that we'll be talking about further um, as we hear more about it. Uh, from what I've seen, the initial response has not been good. It's not been good. Uh, especially, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just clicking through social media there. You know, I'm seeing all the people in Siege there, <laughs> the Siege one uh, uh, players that are saying, what's going on with this can we not get you focusing on fixing the game? You've got a whole lot of breakpoint players saying, yeah, we don't need this. We just want the game to be what it is. So I don't know. It's I'm sure there'll be people out there very uh, happy about this. So we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, in the future. I'm sure we'll be discussing this again.
6: So, Dog, something that I was curious to know from our last episode... Because it was off to a little bit of a rough start, or at least that's what it appeared. What? Uh, how's the GTA Definitive Edition treating
0: you? Because I do know that you are playing through it at the moment. I am playing through it, um, and I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, I most I've not started Vice City or San Andreas yet, um, but I'm nearly finished the uh, GTA Three, uh, and. I honestly haven't had that many issues with it at all. I've had a couple of crashes, a couple of like you know straight to desktop crashes, um, but yeah, it's for me. There's not been there's not been that uh, graphical hitches or, or stuff like that. I will say it appears that they they're using the the old size cache. Uh, I have found a, a a way that you can maneuver your camera while you're driving, and it just um, evaporates uh, upcoming traffic, um, but other than that, that's that that's just something that, that you know. Seem, seems seems to be overlooked. It's it's been it's been running well for me, and my main frustrations have just been the kind of frustrations you get from playing uh, late mission GTA. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, where there's a hell of a lot of RNG. Um, involved in it which can be you know it can be a bit frustrating and stuff like that just the standard sort of gaming frustration but that thats that was what the game was like back then so it's just a, sort of nostalgia frustration if you will
6: <laughs> oh, one thing that I am curious about which was kind of a let's call it a visual sore thumb for me yeah have they toned down the heavy rains yet um, I was I was just out of a general curiosity for myself because I've, I have seen some videos on it and I'm like, that that's a-
0: aggressive. So in GTA 3, there isn't actually any rain really when you're in the game. Um, there is rain in some cutscenes and stuff. Uh, and I will say that the rain is overdone in the GTA 3 cutscenes. It, it, it looks like it's white paint that's fallen uh, rather than actual... Water, you know, it's just very, very intrusive. Um, I'm ho- there. The, there have been some updates to the titles already, uh, which is one of the reasons I've kind of been stringing it out a little bit before I start Vice City and San Andreas, just in the hope that uh, if there are issues, you know, some of those issues are getting ironed out before I get to play the games. But what in talking about that, one of the, what what I'd like to or you know, what it sort of brings up for me is um Rockstar's response to the issues, um, which, okay, it's not right to, to release games that are in a broken state. We spoke about that quite, a, quite in depth in the previous episode. Uh, the one thing Rockstar are doing right though is that they're, they're looking to put it uh, right. They, um, they are working to do updates already uh, and they have Given everybody that bought the definitive edition, uh, or who buys the definitive edition between now and I think July next year, um, will get GTA Three, uh, Vice City, and San Andreas—the the, the the old editions. You know, and uh, they will get them free added to their accounts. And I think I might—I think they might have actually been added already to their accounts. Um, That's a
6: pretty generous window, too right that's not you know there's a there's i i think there's a lot of companies out there who do who have done stuff like that where it's like oh well you know we'll give you this product or whatever but you have like a month and a half to get it and it's like well yeah I'm sorry cheats like that doesn't really fix anything
0: yeah i mean it's it, it is a it is a a large period a uh, time uh, and i suppose some people might say because one of the things that, that that is though you can't buy you can't buy those titles those titles are I've been taking off the stores
6: do you know what i mean so that was going to be my next question since those are getting being gifted to you does mm. that mean do you know if that means that rockstar is going to re-release them on the store or is it just kind of like we'll just slide you these uh, original copies from
0: uh, from what i've seen so far they're not back on the store yet and now um as i remember they said that it would be coming back in the store so i don't know what's going on with that maybe that's something that's been overlooked, or that they're they're going to do in the future, maybe. But as the last time I looked, they weren't available on the store. Um, although I will say this, I will say this: um, the the store, the the app, Rockstar's launcher is is very bad. It's very poor. It's it's not a great launcher. Um, so that could just be <laughs> that could just have been issues with the launcher itself. <laughs>
6: this is this is true easily easily one of the rougher launchers um i th- I think this is this kind of goes into a larger point too, and something that I believe we touched on last episode in in regards to battlefield's launch is it's nice to see companies at least trying to do something like you can't you can't smooth it over. we all know your game launch was rough we all we all know that you had issues, but like the an- the answer and an approach that I feel like a lot of companies are taking these days. Radio silence ain't it, Chief? Like, yeah. yeah. Let us, let us. L- most of us as gamers are upset when things don't work the way they they're supposed to. Sometimes yes. we have unrealistic unrealistic expectations ourselves. But to as long as people know, like, hey, we're working on this. We're all hands on deck. We're trying to fix this and patch this as much as possible here take some free games whatever it at least helps us swallow it a little bit easier um because i i believe battlefield just kind of went radio silent for like the first couple days at least which which like i get it i'm sure there's kind of like well we should look at you know twitter or the reddit or whatever and and you know, just get everything together before we start making announcements. Yeah. Fair. I can see that. But, like, at the same point, there's a time where that passes. It's like you're now in damage control mode, and the longer you're not saying anything about it, the more we start to distrust you, I guess. Yeah. Well, they gave us this broken game, and now they're not doing anything about it, typical devs. And then that hurts you in the long run. So, bare minimum, I would say, companies, if you have issues with games, don't don't try to hide it we all know it's there just get out there and just talk to people
0: yeah exactly i mean that i think that's one of the things um the devs did on no man's sky right they came out they owned it they uh, they held their hands up uh they 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 put out a, a you know a plan uh, of what what they were going to do and how the, how they were going to fix things and the, and they did it you know and that's yep. the thing is about it I, I totally agree with what you're saying because you know it takes the pressure off you you know people are are willing to well they've said they're going to do this and they're going to do that so we'll give them time people are willing to give you time you know of course there's always going to be people that are you know that aren't and and that's obviously their right as well you know people aren't um obligated um to give infinite patience uh, for things that they bought you know i i do i do agree hold your hands up come out tell us what's going on tell us what your plan is show us where it is and you know and and then go on with
6: i should say too as as an addendum to this that's that's not me saying that this is, like, a free pass to companies. It's not. Like, no. at the end of the day, yeah. your game should be... We all know that on launch, regardless of how polished your game is, there's always going to be a server issue or whatever. I expect a few bugs. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, yes, come out, talk to us, tell us you're working on it. It'll give you a little bit of a grace period. But at the same time, this isn't a free pass. You You should still be trying to release a game. Not trying, you should be releasing a game that is functional out of the gate
0: yes absolutely absolutely and honestly i think that's a good final word on that
6: (laughs) so once again this week battlefield is making it really really hard for me to want to buy the game I know I had mentioned on our last episode like there's you know Battlefield is still within the wheelhouse of me purchasing it. You know what I mean if they do the switch yeah. ups if they do a few things 100% I'll throw my money at Battlefield. But like the more that this game goes on in its fix it stage the more I'm just like nah I don't I don't I don't think you're getting my money this time EA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean from from so some of the big things coming out over you know, since the last episode, I should say is we got santa skins that a lot of people are upset about um quality of life features that for me, it's not a quality of life feature if it should have been in the game anyways, you know they have the the oh we've got different changes to the medic revives, and look now you can see you know what if your're if your teammates in combat or whatever on the main map it's like that's
0: sweet but. Those have been in all of the Battlefields. Certainly, certainly the last two. I can't remember if it was in four. Um, Off the top of my head. It might well have been. I can't remember. It certainly was in Battlefield it- 1 and Battlefield 5. Right. It kind of was because what they did in 4 and 3 as well, I believe,
6: is instead of just getting a map view, you actually got a view of the player running around. Right. So course. when I clicked on your name, if I wanted to spawn on you, I yeah. could look and be like, nah, that guy's kind of in the shit. Maybe I'm not yeah. going to spawn on him. Yeah. So they have kind of had the iterations for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've got to say, I sadly have to agree with you. We both kind of settled in the previous episode on, on being open to getting the new uh, Battlefield if they, if they you know, fixed uh, some of the stuff and, and, and maybe retooled some of it as well. But the, it's not looking good. The game is already, already, and I'll touch on the numbers in a second, but it, the, uh, it's already looking like a, the flop of this year. Uh, the Santa th- skins thing what well, is is crazy to me uh, they have a a clear setting for the game they the, you know a clear they've written out this story of the, the the world countries have fallen borders have fallen we now have two major blocks uh fighting over the the last remaining resources and we have you know uh, operators on the battlefield running around with Santa hats on, and tanks, and helicopters covered in Christmas wrapping paper style um, uh, skins. I don't understand. They're all over the place, basically. You know, they're all they're all over the place, and it's being, as you said as well, about the quality of the uh, the quality of life stuff. the The funny thing for me when they when they announced that the clip that they used to show that they put in the Indicator that shows you how far a medic is away from you for reviving, um, which, as you said, it was in previous titles. Um, it was uh, it was bugged the uh, the clip that they used to show that it that it had been put in the game now, um, which to me just it smacks of just the lack of care that's been taken right across the board. Like you can't even even when you're even when you're doing something that's a sort of one for you. Uh, <laughs> you 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 can't help but show yourself in a bad light, and just to touch on those numbers, um, I'm just looking at the current. Um, now it's it's Tuesday evening, at eight o'clock. Um, forty one minutes ago there was twenty two thousand players playing on Steam, and the that's twenty yikes. Yeah, and the twenty four hour peak is just under twenty five thousand players on Steam. Now, of course, that's not that's not the entire player base. There are absolutely more players in the world playing on that because that doesn't take into consideration origin uh, uh epic it launched on as well and obviously playstation and, and xbox networks
6: but and just just for comparison's sake what was the like the all-time high
0: oh so the all-time peak was uh over 100,000 it was 100,590 players um so what we're looking at there is is about a quarter of the players on Steam playing at the moment. I mean, because the game's not been out for a full month yet, the uh, the last 30 days figure is still kind of, it's still picking up part of the previous month, you know? Uh, we need to get through to the end of December to really see what the um month-to-month is like. But we're currently looking at a drop of about, on average, players—the average players has dropped from about fifty-one thousand down to uh, a little under forty-two thousand, which is. I, about-
6: I know I was looking on Twitch the other day too, and it's even like fallen in the rankings. I think the last time I checked was yesterday, and I think it was nine—I think nine thousand people watching.
0: Yeah, and that's that's very poor. That is very poor for a game that's been out for well, as we say, less than a month. So it's not actually looking that great for Battlefield, which is a real shame, uh, because I've got a feeling that if this one continues to go as it is, we all know how quickly EA cut things off when they're not working. um, We know how quickly, and I have a feeling that if this game flops as it's threatening to do, this might be the last Battlefield title we see.
6: Yeah. And I would agree with you as well. There's a couple of things I just wanted to touch on in the category there as, as well that, that you covered. Um, first of all, with the numbers, it's going to be really interesting to see what the holiday season does. I don't think it's going to do a whole lot of changes for the PC market, but I'm wondering if maybe PlayStation and Xbox are going to see a little bit of a, a, a bump as assumingly parents gift or whoever really gift the, uh, the, the game to console players. Um, Secondly, when you were talking about the things that they were showcasing, the medic animations, that sort of thing, one of the things I love as well is the amount of spin that they're trying to put on some of these quality of life things where it's like, you're not doing me a favor. Like, I know you're trying to spin this. Like, it's like, we're doing you a favor by implementing this. It's like, again, it goes back to it. You're not doing me a favor because it should have been here in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
6: And second and and secondly, or no, sorry. I'm on three. Thirdly. <laughs> what if what if theory crafting here what if the santa skins Mm -hmm. are actually supposed to be in the game now hear me out Mm -hmm. maybe they're teasing early new battlefield map north pole (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 either that or like a mall uh you know a, a mall during holiday shopping season I mean, it's the only it's the only places that I think that those skins would fit. Well, <laughs> you know, well nothing says Merry Christmas like a good old fashioned holly jolly homicide. <laughs>
0: uh, well, you know, I'm sure we'll look into it uh, in the coming uh, episodes. As uh, it is certainly. You know, it's a bit of a car crash, let's not lie. Um, the entire the entire thing that's going on with Battlefield, so I'm sure we'll be looking in again at some point.
6: Yeah, I, I, I would say so as well. I don't think we are done with the, the saga that is Battlefield 2042 just yet.
0: <laughs> not yet, no. So, another Twitch streamer has moved from Twitch uh, to YouTube full-time. Uh, this time it's uh, Ludwig. Uh, Who you might all know from having the massive uh, subathon, which uh, some break all the Twitch sub records. Um, I think he peaked at around about two hundred and eighty-three thousand subscribers at the time, uh, which is just absolutely incredible. That's just a crazy amount of subscribers. I do wonder if we will. I mean, we probably will, but I wonder how long that record will take to break. Um, yeah, and-,
6: and I I will say just really quick too, st- stemming from Ludwig's big you know subathon stream, mm. I would almost say that he kind of revolutionized the idea of the subathon because after that whole like you know sub for me anyway there was the first time I saw the the you know if you sub we add fifteen seconds or whatever and now like. Everybody is doing that. If you got a subathon, boom, you're adding time with every subscription. So, like, I, he also made a big play with that too.
0: Oh, he absolutely did. He absolutely did. I mean, he, you know, he saw he saw the opportunity because I'm sure it came just after Twitch's um, change about what you could stream. Um, before, the, uh, you weren't allowed to um, stream yourself sleeping on stream. And you also weren't allowed to AFK stream, um. So it definitely, it definitely spotted the market and 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 you know, seized it. You know, and as you see, he has changed the game. Every single subathon uh, now, literally, is the the long, The more you sub, the longer we we will stream. So he's, I mean, and and, you know, just, and I know we've kind of, we're already slightly off topic, but we'll get back, we'll get back to the the topic. Um, I I watched a video not that long ago where uh, Ludwig, uh, um, the video was about him, how he started another YouTube channel, but had nothing, had no links to himself, you know, uh, and wanted to grow it uh, to get it to partner, you know. Um, and it was really interesting because, you know, what he was shown was that, look, there are things that you can do and exploit that will absolutely get you growth on YouTube. You know, um, and it was very interesting. He's he's clearly a very, um, shrewd, um, guy. He's very, he's clearly a clever guy that has got insight on, 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 on how to exploit, um, the YouTube algorithm and stuff to grow yourself, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. As I say, he's moved over to Twitch, he's moved, sorry, he's moved from Twitch to YouTube um, permanently now, uh, so we'll see how he grows on that, and this, bringing it back to what I initially was uh, was going to talk about, he's just, another and what we're beginning to see is a bit of a trend of large Twitch streamers moving to YouTube um, which you know YouTube are certainly building up a large stable of, of, of massive content creators um, but the interesting thing for me is that they're not you know as much as as much as they're, they're, they're increasing their live content they're not really doing stuff that's that's going to bring more smaller content creators to the platform at the moment. Um, they have recently added the ability to have uh, emotes on your uh, in your stream chat through Better Twitch TV um, integration, uh, which is, is a good move forward. But currently, it looks that Twitch are, are not that bothered about losing some of these bigger content creators uh, and are happy with uh, you know the large amount of medium to smaller size content creators uh, that they have, which is huge. You know, there's still way more people streaming on Twitch than on any other platform at the moment. Um, so what is interesting to see at the moment is is that you know we're seeing a lot. Of, uh, we're seeing a lot. I mean, for example, you know, Lupo. Um, Tim the Tapman, these are these are long term, early you know early pillars of the, the you know Twitch, and they've moved across, uh, and Twitch you know they don't seem to be doing a lot. It seems to be hanging on to some of these content creators. You know they seem to be very passe about what's going on, and it's it's bringing up an interesting thing for me because. It seems to me that Twitch seem very comfortable with where they are. You know, I seen a, I seen, <laughs> I seen someone talking about the the Ludwig uh, transfer and you know the one tra- I'm calling it transfer like what like it's a sports team, um, yeah. Uh, and the, and the joke was that you know, yeah, you can have these content creators. We've got these other folk here that we don't really need to spend as much money on that make us money anyway. And you know he's kind of got his finger right on the pulse with that. You know, uh, which leads to a slightly more uh, interesting idea. And in that is, the 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 <laughs> those smaller, medium-sized, smaller content creators on uh, Twitch are gaining more and more power. You know, um, as more and more of the big content creators move on, the smaller content creators become more and more important, even if they're not pulling in huge numbers, you know, and as an amalgamous, sort of, I don't want to use the word mob, but group, you know, uh, they begin to have more power. So, yeah, uh, to me, this is the the whole the whole Ludwig, uh, um, I, I keep going to call it transfer, but the whole move from him uh, is, is something that is, it keeps adding on to a topic which I think is sooner or later going to come to a head. And uh you know, as as Twitch have to decide exactly what it is what direction they're going with the platform.
6: Yeah, and I, I, I think that's something that as as more of these YouTube acquisitions take place, I mean, there there's Facebook gaming, but like let's be honest, is there really Facebook gaming? I, I feel like the big battle right now is between Twitch and, and, and YouTube, but as, as, as YouTube starts making more of these acquisitions, I really, really hope, because I'm sure there's going to be more, I really hope that it finally starts pressuring Twitch to, to, to figure it out because twitch right now this i think this is the last statistic i i read so hopefully it's up to date but i think twitch still has like 70 percent of the streaming market share which like you're still big dick in the locker room like you don't you don't have to do anything because you're just there Mm, yeah you know you know you know what i mean but i something that i hadn't really considered when you mentioned youtube versus twitch is it's going to be interesting to see how it goes forward because, as you said, Twitch is currently, whether they're doing it um, consciously or not, is starting to rely more on a base of smaller streamers and medium-sized streamers. But the thing is, as we've seen in the past with things like, you know... Uh, um benefits or, or or perks or cool features or discoverability being a big one. Smaller streamers don't really have anywhere to go. You could go to YouTube, but as you, as you said, you're not really supported on YouTube and you're not really supported on Twitch necessarily either, at, at least within the discoverability thing for sure. Um, and so the question, the, you know, the question becomes like, what happens to the little channels, you Yeah. Know, uh, what, what, because like the, the thing is for, like, for me, I think for me personally, I'm definitely on the smaller channel side of things. YouTube has a lot of cool features, like allowing me to play whatever music I want. <laughs> As someone who's a big fan of sharing music with people, it's kind of a big deal for me, but the thing is, like, well, YouTube does a lot of really cool stuff. Just knowing the percentage of transfer rates, like, it's not something for me personally that I'm going to go. I'm going to try out YouTube because then I just have to a convince people who already follow me to come with me. Um, you know, and b I'm starting at square one again, new platform, new new system have to build again and like again as a as a as a smaller streamer it's just it's not worth it you know i'm 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 holding on to twitch because i kind of have to hold on to twitch good or bad well i'm kind of i'm I'm kind of neutral on this like i'm not saying no you know, i yeah. I'm, I'm upset about this or i'm super stoked no, about yeah. it but just realistically the way it is is i'm just on twitch
0: so monetization here is the issue right you don't have to do a lot on Twitch to reach a point where you can monetize your content, right? Um, yes. Let's let's you know. Let's be brutally honest. It's not that hard to get affiliate, right? Now, yeah, don't hard. get me wrong. If people are listening to this, please don't think that I'm doing down your achievement of getting affiliate. You know, um, you have to you have to go and and set your mind and do things and go and get it, right? Uh, which takes work, but in the lot, but in the long run of of, for example, in comparison to getting partner, <laughs> right, getting affiliate is a walk in the park, right, and so from the moment you've got affiliate, you have monetization in the channel. You can get ads on your channel, you can have uh, bits. You can get bits. You can get subs. You get your emotes and uh, as an, uh, a reward for your 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 subs and stuff like that. You don't. I mean, you even get f- f- uh, follower emotes now, you know. But more than that, right? So that's 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 for the for the for your viewers, right? More than that, you're now monetized, right? And it doesn't take very long. Uh, before that, money is something that you're beginning to not necessarily rely on for your your general life or whatever, but something that you need for stream. You know, for getting things for stream. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's uh, um, equipment improvements. You know, hardware improvements, or maybe it's games for stream and stuff like that. Or maybe you're one of the many people who streams on Twitch to supplement their income, right? The issue at the moment f- uh, 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 for YouTube, or maybe they don't see it as an issue, but the difference, at least, at the moment for YouTube is um, if you switch there, there is no real monetization for you until you're at a certain size, right? And as you were saying, you're starting to si- uh, from from um, from square one. Yes, you're absolutely right. When Shroud first moved to mi- from Twitch to Mixer, around 5% of his Twitch viewers followed him to Mixer. Around 5%. Now, of course, Shroud's, you know, um, Shroud regularly had 40, 50, 60, 70,000 viewers. So 5% of that is a large number of viewers. You know? It's not a large number in comparison to his previous viewers. But if Shroud can only pull 5%, we can kind of take that as a sort of Benchmark of what everybody's pulling when they move to another platform, right? I'm not saying that it's a guaranteed number, but we can use it as a ballpark figure. That we're only taking about 5% of our viewers with us. Because people are connected to a platform, right? There are, of course, some people that watch Twitch streamers, YouTube streamers, Facebook streamers. Of course, there are people out there. But the reality is the vast majority of people are on one Platform or the other, they're on. They're watching live content on Twitch, or they're watching live content on YouTube, and that you know, that's that's it. So I mean, for for example, I don't watch any YouTube streamers. I watch a lot of YouTube content, as I'm sure most of us do. I watch a lot of YouTube content, but I don't watch any. Oh, I tell a lie. Watch, I watch, I watch Dado. A friend
6: yeah and i was i was i was just gonna i was just gonna add that uh that amendment when you were done yeah. is that unless i'm i'm out there to like support the homies which again i do i i i do for datto mm-hmm. you know chat lurk whatever um I, like i'm not i'm not exploring youtube live no, streamers it's not like it's i'm predominantly on twitch twitch for me is the easier platform to navigate um, and you're invested. And it's, more, it? it's more convenient, honestly. Yeah, and invested. Um, so obviously, going over to YouTube to watch to to watch the homies stream, but like mm. outside of that, like I'm not. So I'm not really venturing around the site.
0: What I worry, what I worry or about or worry is that Twitch won't really try to do or feel motivated to do anything until YouTube has a better way for small. And medium-sized content creators th- to quickly monetize their content. Do you know what I mean? I think if if YouTube make moves to do that, I honestly think they will take quite quickly big bites out of, of Twitch. Um, I honestly think that there are a lot of content creators on Twitch and I kind of, and, and to be honest, I count myself like this as well, right? There's a lot of stuff on Twitch that I don't like. Um, there's a lot of... the. It's mostly the decisions that are made about Twitch, you know. Uh, it's also the discoverability. It's also... Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I'm not going to get into individual things, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't like. There have been more than a few occasions where I have considered switching to YouTube in the recent times. But the things that we just to- spoke about there are instant put-offs for me, with the biggest one being the monetization aspect right um i have a lot of things uh that are dependent on that for the stream do you know what i mean uh like uh, all the things that are uh, uh um all my giveaways and stuff like that um m- m- all the game titles that I, that, I, that I get for stream you know it comes from stream revenue you know um so it's not an it's not an easy thing for me to do that, and I'm not alone, you know. Um, so ultimately, I this is why I feel that um, that comedian uh, was 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 on the button. What's his name? Lance. I think he's named Lance. Um, he was on the he was on the button because I honestly don't think Twitch are that bothered about losing these big um, uh, streamers. Um, when you think about it, people will be like, "Yeah, but they bring in a lot of money." And yeah, they do bring in a lot of money, right? But at the same time. Uh, if you're a partner streamer, you have a uh, uh, Twitch. You have um Twitch, like a stream manager, if you will, or a, a contact that is, you know, that is there. Your contact with Twitch, right? Now, of course, these people, these these people that do these jobs, um, they have multiple streamers that they deal with. But that's a salary for each one of those person, for for each one of those people. Do you know what I mean? And so that's you know as much as you know as much as as Twitch partners bring in a lot of money, there's a lot of things that are done for them that some of that money is being spent on. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of, for example, there's a lot of um, merch and you know stuff that is that's given to partners and stuff. Uh, the you know, there's a lot of events and stuff and things that, that, that they're put on for them that they're flown out to, all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a huge amount of expense for a partner, and uh, you know, I'm not seeing Twitch. I, I'm still, I'm you know, I'm not don't want people to get the idea that Twitch are running at a loss of the uh, of partners. Do you know what I mean? But as much as they're bringing money in, that there, there are a huge amount of expenses also linked to the par- to big partners as well. Do you know what I mean? Uh, th- these expenses are not linked to you and I. Do you know what I mean? Uh, They're not linked to smaller uh, partners, you know? So, uh, in the long run, when you're looking at um, percentage, you know, uh, 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 you know, Twitch are making a bigger percentage per sub uh, of smaller partners and, and, and affiliates and stuff like that than they are of, of bigger partners, do you know what I mean? And so if you have a huge amount of these m- 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 smaller, medium sized uh, uh, streamers then you're kind of making up for the blow of the bigger streamers, do you know what I mean? So, again, as I, I keep coming back to this, I have a feeling they're not really that bothered about losing the, the likes of uh, these, these massive streamers no,
6: and 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 I would agree. Not not yet. Anyway, they're not worried about it yet. But yet. Again, we'll, yeah. we'll 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 see how this uh, this develops as more partners, I'm sure, are approached and more more partners make up their mind in 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 regards to what their streaming realm will be.
7: hmm
0: Yeah. Just as that. Just as that. Just uh, you know, a slight thing before we finish there. You were mentioning about uh, about Twitch allowing you to play. Uh, sorry, YouTube allowing you to play music on your stream. Ludwig, like yes. actually, his first YouTube stream was on November the 30th. It's currently December the 7th, and he's already had two DMCA bands on <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. which
6: is which is hilarious you kind of you you kind of yeah, i totally forgot about that you mentioned you you did mention to them or them to me prior to uh to starting the recording of this and i totally forgot about yeah a hundred percent that is hilarious uh, especially because in his mm-hmm. i'm switching video he made such a big deal about being able to play whatever he wanted and to get dma strike or D- dmca strikes for it is hilarious
0: mm-hmm. to me yeah, I was, Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, the, he made a big deal of it in the video. You know, it's the last line. You know, uh, don't, don't you get DMCA not in this car, not in this car. Uh, so to be done, du- to be, you know, have two strikes in about eight days, seven eight days, <laughs> maybe yeah. less than that because I think I think his other band came the other day. Is it's kind of is kind of ironic. Uh, the, the 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 bands in question were for Baby Shark and um, some uh, video some video about um, some sort of instructional video or informational video or something so yeah Um, (laughs) Ludwig taking a while to get used to the uh, the changing rules yeah came out of the gate a little hot (laughs) you've been listening to the Hands Around the World podcast If you'd like to keep up to date with our schedule or talk to us about any of the topics we've discussed on the show, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at H-A-T-W pod. Thanks for listening.
5: Here we made it, we have a very special guest, an expert, and I do mean expert audience in what we call by the acronym of XR, extended reality, someone whom I've enjoyed knowing for some time in getting good information, Nicole Lasaro, thank you for joining us.
7: Yeah, thank you for letting me uh, come on stage. It's a pleasure to be here, Christopher.
5: Certainly. It's time to explore. Let's chop wood. Who's Nicole?
7: Well, she is, uh, well, I have run, for those of you that I have not met, I've run Zeo Design uh, for 29 years, and I have, as a, Is a player experience design uh, agency so i've done consulting for all the major uh, you know game uh, game publishers and studios i've worked on everything from the sims to uh, diner dash to the matrix to star wars and i was the first person to actually use uh, facial expressions to measure emotion on players faces while they played games And the resulting model uh, that you can see here in the background the four keys to fun is used by millions of leading developers around the world it's baked into the ai for the sims inspired ibm watson's sentiment analysis and kind of laid the groundwork for what we call gamification Uh, so yeah so i've been that. And I'm also a developer. So I've been working on games for uh, our own original games for quite some time, including uh, tilt world, which uh, grew out of one of the first games, uh, you could play on the iPhone and uh, follow the white rabbit, which is a mystery adventure you can play uh, in in XR around around the world. We can talk a little bit about that later if you want, but super excited to be here.
5: We have so much to cover. I have so many questions. I'll do my best and having and showing a bit of restraint, (laughs) Um, I must ask with where we find ourselves today in this pandemic that's still about uh, now firmly 19 months into the thick of things, if you will, we've seen dramatic change in technology horizontally across the board. And the XR industry certainly has not escaped that. I know that you keep your ear to the ground and you're definitely a highway of information on what's relevant on the enterprise level, consumerism, and multiple different verticals in the extended reality space and other technologies. I have to ask you, what have you noticed that's different, that's perhaps changed these 18, 19 months share with us your insight, please, from your lens.
7: Wonderful. It is a very exciting time, you know, coming into the pandemic, it gave us a lot of focus. We, it was very disruptive. It's one of the most disruptive chapters in human history. And it gave everyone a chance to rethink about, what's really, what's really important to them and reconnect in new ways. And that was a real boon to a number of different technologies. I work a lot with companies about uh, on their uh, sort of emerging tech and taking that technology and then transforming it into a product that people actually want to use, create an actual experience for people. And the technologies I'm trans- tracking most these days, you know, we under the, um, uh, you know, there is the metaverse umbrella, if you will, for, um, for XR, uh, we've got, uh, we have machine, you know, machine learning, uh, you know, like, you know, with SnapLin Studio, you can do garment segmentation, you can do hand tracking all kinds of amazing things you can put, you know, you can reskin your own body as a real, as a live avatar and host a YouTube channel with it. You can also, there is the crypto, kind of the crypto lens on things where you've got blockchain and NFTs and new ways of organizing with DAOs, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations uh, that, you know, in some cases with like Access Infinity, their CEO said, yeah, we want, we are a nation in the cloud of their players, right, this play to earn uh, trend. And in fact, his ultimate goal for uh, his company is to be officially recognized as this cloud nation by the UN. So that's something really interesting, really interesting uh, stuff to think about. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got the cryptos and NFTs, and then we also have uh, a lot of advances in emotion. And, you know, an analysis and making this a richer, you know, experience uh, for everyone, I've probably forgotten a few, but those are kind of the big uh, kind of the big trends that I've been um, following in a sense that you we found that uh, with essentially where we're at is there sort of like I call I like to call it the three eyes of the Internet with web 2.0 with web 1.0, it was all about information access so I could you know access the world on my hard drive but nothing else but with web 1.0 i could access what's on your hard drive or on a different server we could exchange we could email we could move around that a lot of info web 2.0 was really more about interaction so the second eye and so with web 2 we could interact with each other and the birth of social media has transformed many things many walks of life you know from everything from politics to how we read news to you know how we call a taxi the third wave, which is web 3.0, which is still being defined as by the larger community. But in my view, it's all about the third eye, which is it's immersion and it's interoperable those those two things. It's an immersive experience. And that can be 3D because I I come from gaming. And uh, it also though it also can also be live. So it can be 2D or no D, you know, just audio experiences in Clubhouse. And it also can be immersive with social and we see that with roblox and a number of these other uh, companies where user created content you know um, people are creating content and sharing it with their friends uh, and like with an ar lens like in uh, like in like on snap or you know in spark or some of the other ar platforms you're actually if you're a lens creator like i am you actually are creating a tool for somebody else to use to entertain their friends so that's where the interoperability needs to needs to come in uh, within the ecosystem. So we've got this creator economy was the one I was forgetting earlier as a trend. And we have this amazing like layer cake, new layers in this now with the ability to create tools for other people. And there is no meta in metaverse unless it's interoperable, unless I can take an experience across different platforms. If I can create value in one and then transfer it into value in another. Uh, we can't have a, uh, well, people will try companies are going to try the walled garden approach, you know, the prodigies and the AOLs of the world. If you remember that from the early internet, uh, the internet is amazing because it's open and free, you know, you can access information from anywhere. The metaverse is going to have to be the same, the same thing.
5: Let's talk about that. The metaverse. It's a subject that many in the industry. that have been in this space for some time have been well aware of it. There's a lot of places to start in this conversation. For simplification and our audience listening with us tonight, what is the metaverse to you? So the, the,
7: First, yeah, the first blush that I had, the first encounter I had with the metaverse is actually predates Snow Crash. It was as a teen. I was reading Piers Anthony novels like a fiend. <laughs> I read, I think, almost every book in the St. Louis science fiction book in the public library at St. Louis, where I was living at the time, and it was a book called Split Infinity. Where everyone were surf you know, so many people were surfs, it follows a surf character, and their job was to play games, and so they had this elaborate game com- complex, and you would jump into a tube, and then that tube would take you to uh, an area, you would you know, slide into a new area, and then you would play a game, and you get sponsors almost like, like like the Hunger Games, uh, where you'd get a sponsor and they would sponsor you, uh, to, you know, to win or to lose, and that sort of thing, and so there 's a big competition. That is kind of the foundation of the metaverse. I love what happens in Snow Crash, but I'm even more a fan of what happens in Diamond Age, Neil Stephenson's other book. And uh, the Diamond Age, which is a, uh, it's also the Young Ladies Illustrated Primer, I think, something like that. And that kind of metaverse is amazing. It's a nanotechnology book. The book features this, and uh, it's filled with uh, a live interaction with an actual actor who plays an avatar in these uh, worlds. And you get to go in through that book into different experiences. And it's actually a primer on leadership, uh, which I think is, um, is, is big is big for me. So I'd say that the metaverse really is the next, it's obviously the next generation of the web. It's also though the the blurring between the physical and the digital. So it's building on Mark Wisner's work uh, in the late 90s of ubiquitous or pervasive uh, computing, so the data is just exploding off of our laptops into the real world, and then how are we going to interact with it? There will be immersive experiences, you know, we jump down that tube like you do in Split Infinity and you end up in a world, that portal, Uh, or you have uh, the real world is augmented in in some way. But just like the transition between Web 1.0 and Web 2.0, it's not just information access, so when you put on a set of, uh, you know, AR glasses um, and you, you know, you can see everything identified, you know, in English or maybe in Spanish, or you get you can pull up someone's LinkedIn just by looking at their face. Uh, there, but that's not interoperable. That's not interactive. And so the, there are going to be whole entirely new use cases, and uh, we need to free every everything up so that we have the uh, the space. So we don't have the walled garden approach, but we have the space to create and the funding to. Try out lots of different experiences, so that we can get the really rich, uh, a really rich ecosystem with a lot of with a lot of creators and developers, you know, defining defining the future. Uh, mm-hmm. Is
5: the industry as a whole, and and let's split it up. And and audience, when I make mention of industry, augmented reality, mm-hmm. virtual reality. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the AR glass and the advent rise of what we're seeing uh, coming off shelves or veteran prototype, which I know you know a lot about. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then obviously with what we're seeing with HMDs proper for full enclosure of virtual environments. Nicole, for the many years that you've been in this space and coming out of gaming and still there, mm-hmm. is this industry heading in a healthy direction?
7: I think the way in which I think that there is like a technology is always a two, you know, two-edged sword, right? There's always stuff that you can do for good and there's also stuff that you could get, you know, we can also do, you know, we can do a lot of harm with. And so what I would say is that there are a number of discussions, you know, happening about ethics about what it is, you know, whether this is good or whether this is bad. There also I really try and sponsor conversations about well what would in a perfect world what would the metaverse look like right what what would it you know what would it feel like what what could we do in that and then get people excited to go build uh, build that way we need to have a lot of leadership a lot more leadership I would say with the metaverse uh, conversations to inspire folks to you know to take to take that on as opposed to try and fit in in an awkward kind of way the boxes that uh, are being created by the people who won in web 2.0 right and we had yesterday we have Microsoft announcing some really interesting uh interesting news and if you think about what uh what, what Facebook is doing uh to you know lay its platform as that reposition its platform as the metaverse uh we've got Microsoft also Making a play to redefine its view of the metaverse, and what's interesting about Microsoft's view, and Facebook's is interested in as well, is that there are uh, there in a sense it looks like they're taking Microsoft Mesh, and they're actually sort of blurring the lines, the distinctions between the different applications. Having you know, I when I started computing with a you know a Macintosh Plus, you know people were still having a drag out fight of whether you know a mouse or a keyboard was the better input device, right? Uh, And now we've got you know so all those time we've always had the sense of the uh, you know the application and then there'd be multiple applications, and so the use of a computer is I use this application. And then, for this, and then I have a different task I use that application with Microsoft mesh with that announcement with teams. Is it's blending in this live you know component of uh, being able to have real time communication across the different uh, applications. So kind of busting up the siloed nature of their, uh, of their application offering, super interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know, how, that, how that goes in. If you think about it, having like a Slack, like communication or video calls inside your word processing. Uh, and, and everybody I know has always wanted to have like, you know, you, you're in Word, you're doing a document, a 40 page document, you need a table, you, need, you want it to be in Excel because the tools are much better there or whatever it happened to be. And, you know, to make those interoperable. So again, like blurring the lines between these applications. I'm not saying that they're, um, uh, that they're announcing anything on that level, but, uh, but basically they're going to apply, they're applying these metaverse kind of features to sort of move, you know, move between them. So teams can work uh, better, uh, you know, uh, with that. And as a blend of, you know, holograms with the HoloLens and avatars, hologram, hologram avatars, and then, you know, real video. We see on Facebook side the uh, development of uh, Horizon Workrooms, and they've punched holes, again, interoperability, so that Zoom could come in. They punch a hole in the camera so you can see your real keyboard and type on it, right, with pass-through video. Those kinds of things are really fascinating, and so when we think about metaverse, it's a rethinking of the, uh, the architecture of, of the software that supports what we, how we live, work, and play, so super exciting times.
5: Indeed. Let's talk about work, since you just touched on this. Mm -hmm. Over this 18, 19 months, we have gone through a great transition in many respects. Some organizations say that we're never going back to the office. We now find ourselves in remote hybrid work force where remote product delivery teams and distributed teams across the country and around the world are working from the comforts of their living rooms or their bedrooms, or maybe perhaps have to fit in a closet. (laughs) We here in Silicon Valley are seeing firsthand what these changes look like on the ground. Now I've spoke with several cybersecurity experts. It does leave us vulnerable and there's changes that are having to be made for privacy and safety. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: But let's talk about experience. What role do you perceive the XR industry playing and performing in this new remote hybrid work world that we now find ourselves in?
7: Great. Yeah, it's a really fascinating one. Uh, we've had these security, you know, concerns every ever since we, you know, invented like the laptop. You know, my laptop here and the phone. Right. There's nothing. You know, it's that's nothing new. Right. The our offices already got kind of meta when we could take the computers. You know, we could leave the office and we weren't just handing in a deck of punch cards and you know calling it a night. Uh, you know, for 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 our programs. Uh, I never programmed on punch cards, just to be clear. I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that OG. But, um, <laughs> uh, but my first my first experiences were like QuickTime VR. So that's 1992, 93. And, you know, when I played Myst, I just wanted to, you know, that I wanted a virtual world. I wanted to be in that world. That's why I jumped into games. Um, but the, what, what where we're seeing is that I, I always come down with my, you know, when I talk with my clients or when I'm working on our design is, well, where's the value proposition? And for the metaverse, you know, with distributed work, work from home, where's the value proposition? Where's that overlap, Where's that overlap? And when work gets, uh, you know, spatial, when work gets 3D, when the job to be done can uh, involves, you know, more than a pancake monitor, like, you know, most of us are seeing this, uh, this talk on, then the then, then holograms and you know stereoscopic projections make a ton of sense. The architecture you know uh, review that we've all seen on every on every piece of VR hardware there is and AR hardware there is uh, is a great example of that. Or assembling an automobile, or like my friend Shelley Peterson, uh, they're using she's using the uh, Microsoft Hololens two to uh, help assemble the Orion spacecraft. And so you can have a, a digital twin, you know, and you can see what it looks like, you know, next to the real parts. And then you can also project on the parts, the assembly instructions and the, you know, and the cute and the quality assurance like right, right there. Um, so when, when the work is spatial, I think that works uh, really that the metaverse really makes a lot of, a lot of sense, especially a spatial one. Going back to more of the Microsoft, what I interpret the Microsoft vision of, uh, of the metaverse is in the context of yesterday's announcement is that it seems like the, uh, the live component is super important for, uh, you know, for work for home so that I can uh, communicate around that document very seamlessly and easily and just have a really great flow uh, experience around the work that I'm doing. I'm not saying that we should like bring the office distractions like you know I can hear everybody on the, you know take a call from their doctor and that sort of thing like you could get in the cubicle farm uh, or just simply have a, ca- a camera on all the time so that we can just feel co-presence uh, but I am saying that there's going to be new ways to interact and interoperate with the uh, each other's each other's tasks. I'm very fascinated with like what what does a um, uh, what is a development environment? I, I, I design, I also do a little bit of engineering. What does that look like if it were social? Like if I bring up Unity or Unreal and it was social, what, is that, what does that look like? Because I'm so used to like just having it me, and then you can, you, um, you know, you check your work in, and you can pull new work down. But, you know, is there, you know, are we gonna break that boundary? Is that gonna be, is that gonna be different? Are we gonna be doing, you know, reviews, um, obviously developing 3D content in 3D is ideal. And you know, can, someone, can, can my rest of my team you know, reach a hand into my, um, into my world and then make adjustments? On the Zoom call, we could bring up a whiteboard and you know, we could you know, sketch and stuff on a flat screen. You can do that in, uh, in uh, Facebook's uh, workroom, Horizon Workrooms. But uh, you know, if we can do depth, when the project involves depth, I think that's really, so if you're doing product design, if you're an ad agency, if you're doing anything in CGI having that depth parameter or virtual production, all of that can be much more rich if we have these, uh, these social features and real live time, you know, immersive uh, experiences. Uh, so yeah, that'll be, it'll be really, it'll be really interesting it'll be really interesting to see. Right now we've got Slack and we've got Zoom kind of siloed as separate applications and we t- you know we toggle them, you know, we toggle through them. But what happens if some of those features become so common like copy and paste uh or you know share with my team in real time as i'm working. Um that would be good. Like everyone remembers probably the first time you did an online doc, you know like a online Google doc for example and someone else could type and you could type too, you know that that sort of level of interoperability but in many more many more parameters.
5: Is it safe or is it okay to say? Is it appropriate to say that Collaboration. When it comes to XR, real-time collaboration in 3D, as you state, Mm -hmm. we're not necessarily looking at this as an alternative. Is it safe to say that collaboration in XR is an update? Does it enhance collaboration as we know it today?
7: Uh, it has the potential to do so. I, I'm, I have a question about whether we will engage with cartoon-facing, cartoon-shaped you know, cartoon, you know shaped avatars in a real way. Uh, the, uh, I do a lot of work in emotion, like I said at the beginning. And there's so much uh, unconscious processing of other people's you know, facial expressions that are required for communication. Uh, That we've gotten better in many of these metaverse platforms to representing something that looks a lot more believable. Uh, But when we're running a canned animation or a canned AI sort of simulation based on it's based on my mic input and it's you know reading the sentiment in my voice and then animating puppeting my avatars face in result of that. I might not you know I might actually be frowning or have a ooh hesitation in my real face. And so that and that may or may not be captured on the cartoony version of the avatar. Uh, so I think we're going to be in this awkward stage uh, until we get to full, you know, kind of full resolution of our of our of our faces. Um, so until then, I think it's going to be more about the the advan- The big advantage is going to be about the about the work that we're doing uh, for you know for collaboration and uh, and communication. The uh, the experiences that you can get. Uh, it's really, I think, AR, especially AR, is really transforming the way in which we work, w- way in which we work with computers, especially with three D content. Uh, so, like, I, I was fortunate to get uh, the Snap uh, Spectacles, you know. So I'm one of their early creators. So this is an early prototype, you know, device that they're letting uh, they're letting uh, creators uh, work with. And what's amazing about it, in terms of workflow, is that it's it's all self-contained. So there's no, you know, there's no rope, there's no puck, there's no, you know, uh, it's not running off of my laptop, it's not running off my phone. And then I can just, you know, I can just put it on. And now I can, you know, start an application. And now I have a hologram, you know, right in front of me, an experience, a hologram. I can then with my hands in real space, you know, I can, you know, I can adjust it, make adjustments. Is that what I want? is that how I want to do if i if i if it's if it's a puzzle game, you know, can i put these pieces together here just with my hands? And then if it was like, you know, that that's that's not that's not quite right, so then i go then back to this is still on me. So then i focus on my laptop keyboard, right, and lens studio on my on my screen, on my flat screen, my pancake monitor. I make some adjustments to that and then i, you know, hit send to, send to spectacles And now the puzzle rearranges itself and it, it, you know, it reboots. And it's like, okay, with the new version, it's like, oh, wow. And so this, you know, I'm working in 2D, you know, on my computer. And then I'm working in 3D with the content here. Uh, that is just a complete game changer and a complete, you know, a complete change on how we think about computing and how we actually use computers too, as well. Not all content should be 3D. Uh, But the ability to express yourself in 3D and new concepts in 3D and experience it with something as lightweight as these, as these snap spectacles, that is going, that's revolutionary. That's absolutely revolutionary and a big part of what we're going to have um, with the, uh, you know, with, uh, with the metaverse. Again, that interoperability, you know, I'm going between, you know, what I know on the flat screen to this new medium. I can, I can seamlessly go back and forth with very little, you know, resistance and then I can change it in three space. And so I can, well, sometimes I actually look to the side because it's a bigger experience. Um, I'm working on a, a follow the white rabbit for, you know, for a game kind of uh, lens for the new, for the new spectacles. So sometimes I have to project it out into the wall and then I, or out into the room and then I have to walk around the room interacting with the puzzles, right? And then I come back and then I, and then I poke around. Uh, but that, that, um, that collaboration, you know, that, that space, the spatiality of that box, of that sandbox is, is amazing. And then having, uh, like with my, uh, with an earlier game I did on, you know, on Magic Leap back here, uh, it was Aladdin's, uh, it's Aladdin's Cave of Wonders, and so in that one I project uh, into your real world, you know, also an AR experience, uh, I I fill your room with these CGI trees and they're covered with treasure, they're covered with gems and rubies and sapphires and diamonds like the size of grapefruit. And it's cursed though, like, so you are Aladdin, and you have to navigate like Twister, you have to walk through these, you know, virtual trees, you know, you've got the glasses on, so you know where they are. And then you have to find the lamp puzzle. And I use finger spells to unlock the puzzle. Once I unlock the puzzle with my hand, so I'm using hand gestures, I can, you know, grab the lamp, and then that breaks the spell, and then I can gather as many, you know, rubies and diamonds and sapphires as I want. If I try and get the treasure before the lamp, then the cave collapses and uh, it's game over and everyone knows if you die in AR, you die in real life. So, um, you know, you wanna be sure you, you get the lamp first. <laughs> uh, there's a whole new, I mean, that's, those are two like art examples. Uh, and then of course we've got like the, everything from that to like we were saying with Shelley Peterson, you know, the Orion spacecraft, uh, where you've got, you know, different kinds of collaboration um, that are possible uh, with, uh, with these, these new, you know, XR, XR technologies.
5: Let me ask you, let's talk about falling in that white rabbit, but let's go mm-hmm. in a broader context at the moment, gaming. I didn't anticipate this going this way, but I know that you have been somewhat vocal about avatars mm-hmm. and what type of environments may be more fulfilling when it comes to ingress in social uh, uh, um, gatherings. And some avatars we know anatomically are more lifelike human figures, you know, because obviously we're dealing with human factors and mm-hmm. perception and cognition. Right. And then there's some that come from more of an animated character. Mm-hmm. And I know you know all about that. I hadn't considered till now with all your experience in gaming, with interactive character development, environmental development, which is something I know that you're very familiar with. (sighs) Bring me and bring us into the world of gaming and XR. What are their differences? But moreover, how are they blending together this space? Audience, I'll throw this just one bit of note here is that they are separate to some degree. And Nicole, please correct me if I'm wrong. But you've been in a time where gaming was developing in, in, in first touch. Even from novel to seeing its growth and its transition. There's not too many people that have that experience. One foot in gaming and the other one in XR. There's not too many people that I know in the world that have that. Can you share st- with us, what that looks like from your lens?
7: Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a very interesting question, especially with uh, uh, the metaverse. Uh, you know, you think about the metaverse, and you can combine that with blockchain technologies like NFTs. So I worked on a virtual world, uh, you know, earlier this year, where you, you know, would show up for a New Year's Eve party, you know, rocking your latest NFT or whatever, and you, you know, and then you could see other people and then they were, they were like, you know, hey, you know, and there, so there was some, some fun and you could dance and, you know, there was a, a concert going on and big screen TVs and stuff all, uh, you know, all, all there. It brings to mind things to think about are you know the concerts in Fortnite, like you know Scott Travis and you know Marshmallow and something else, others that are you know it's produced Fortnite's uh, created by uh, Epic Games using the Unreal Engine. And uh, the the book we didn't mention yet, uh, the other arbitrary book to mention is uh, uh, you know, Ready Player One. And if you think about uh, if you think about Fortnite, if you think about Roblox, if you think about to a lesser extent Rec, Rec Room. But with Roblox and uh, Fortnite, you've got a lot of character customization, so you could look like anything, right? And so it's very interesting, and in fact, rather challenging for for traditional people with a traditional game background. And I go back to you know the two D days. I never, I didn't do. I was post Atari. I never made a game uh, or worked on a game in a um, uh, for an arcade, right? I come in a little bit later, but uh, the uh, you know like asteroids or something like that, Pac Man. Uh, but game characters, we're used to, game designers, we're used to be able to control the world. Like we, uh, we set out, you know, here's a game about, you know, uh, about a Blade Runner. And so we've got this amazing world this, and we know what the characters are. Uh, I worked on The Matrix. So we've got all the great outfits and the cool martial arts and our, our characters. And I'm just pushing buttons or keys. And then my character is doing these cool, like, you know, really cool moves. Uh, and so that's that's fun. If you, but then if you think forward now to interoperability and the ability, say, or Manticore is another platform where you develop an avatar system that supports, you know, multiple games and I want to take my, you know, my, my sparkle pony, my, my sparkle pony with, uh, with, uh, Satan horns or whatever, you know, into, into all the different experiences. There, it's really challenging for many game developers to think, oh well, wait, but no, this is set in medieval times. This is, you know, this is men in tights in World of Warcraft and ogres and stuff like that. I don't want sparkle ponies. Uh, or this is the sparkle ponies universe and I don't wanna have, you know, zombies and, you know, uh, really horrifying, you know, things in it or just like random bananas, that so doesn't make sense. Uh, and so there's, there's this really interesting tension right now with how how avatar how an avatar might, you might be able to spend a lot you know through nft or some other blockchain uh, on an avatar you know outfit you know call of duty i think hats and call of duty are one of their biggest profit centers and you know but i want to take that expensive hat to other uh, other games and aesthetically and game wise cosmetics cosmetic upgrades that you could buy just like a like a like a leather jacket uh, that translates a little bit, uh, rather easily. But if it's a, if it's a, if it's a sword, or if it's a microphone that has special powers in this, in one universe, you can't, uh, you can't guarantee that it's going to have uh, adding that, uh, well, adding that, uh, functionality in another game could really break off the, uh, the game balance, right? Uh, so, for example, if swords were really cheap in, uh, this Minecraft level, or in this Minecraft game, and you brought it into, this uh, you know this medieval fantasy game that where you know just buying one sword you know took months you know to get you know you you don't want to have this this flood of cheap swords coming in and break your economy and break the gameplay so it's uh, it's rather it's rather it's rather challenging uh, on the other hand it's also like you know it's a masquerade ball and everybody looks different and it's just it's just fun uh, it's just fun to be that way it's just fun to be there and express yourself in some really interesting way. Certain stages of human development—that's super important uh, or super fun. Just to be able to, you know, change my—and everyone enjoys, almost everyone enjoys role play and make and getting dressed up uh, as something different. Uh, but informing your identity in the teen years—it's—it's it's really important to, uh, you know, just to identify like who you are, so you can try out this personality one day and that personality another way. Uh, games are a really great way to to do that.
5: Let's follow the right rabbit, but. But first, we need to go back to this beginning of your exploration into the space that you find yourself now. What did it take, and for the audience listening, what did it take for you to follow the White Rabbit Take us back to when you knew the direction that you were getting ready to head in, or that you began heading into a direction that you had no idea.
7: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, sometimes you're going in a direction you have no idea. Sometimes those are the best adventures, uh, for sure. Uh, and you know, with XR, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of like that at first. Uh, but, a, and as I understood the platform, you know, whether it was VR, you know, on a on the original Gear VR uh, to the, uh, the original Rift, uh, the original Dev Kit DK1, to uh, the uh, Magic Leap, to AR on the phone, I started to realize that what XR really is, what the metaverse is, is the metaverse is really a ticket to Wonderland. And I actually grew up in Wonderland. So why I you know, jumped in with, with both feet is that I grew up in Wonderland. I grew up overseas you know, riding camels, climbing pyramids, exploring fire temples in real life as a, as a kid uh, in the Middle East. And I wanted to go back and experience that full body wonder I had as a kid and bring, you know, and bring all of my friends with me. And so that's when I started, you know, follow the white rabbit. It is a series of uh, essentially a, a combination of you know machine learning and emotion science, and we go through a series of escape rooms around the world to every you know all of the different places I visited as a, as a as a kid. And it's a mystery about a, uh, Follow the White Rabbit is a mystery about a magician who is a charlatan, has been a charlatan all his life, until one day the magic actually works, and the rabbit disappears, wearing a priceless diamond bracelet, and so now everyone wants to follow the white rabbit. And what I did with the with Follow the White Rabbit and these escape rooms is I am you know, doubling down on the emotions that work really well and are really unique to you know to uh, to the, to the metaverse. They're the emotions that really work well in XR that you can't get outside as easily. And uh, so each experience have these mind-bending puzzles uh, that you know you can do you're doing I'm doing stuff uh, you know with you, you are the player. Uh, that you know you can't experience in real in real life, and there are you know there's a, there's a wonderful story that we we follow you know we're following this white rabbit. It's kind of a combination of Alice in Wonderland meets the Matrix type of thing, uh, and we start in uh, Paris of 1889. It's the eve of the World's Fair. It's a cafe above the Theatre Majestique, and the white rabbit, the magician, and his assistant Ada have disappeared with this priceless uh, bracelet, and you have to figure out where they went.
5: Artificial intelligence. Mm. In the great eco-habitat of technologies such as XR and virtual augmented reality and artificial intelligence with flanked by machine learning and deep learning and robotics, uh, mechs and androids and so forth and so on. AI seems to be one of the only few technologies that influences to some degree all other technologies what influence will AI early days have in the XR space subsequent to the Metaverse?
7: Yeah, artificial intelligence, it's amazing how it's changed. I first encountered, you know, AI outside of fiction, <laughs> uh, outside of, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey. First encountered AI in the real world in uh, when I was a student at Stanford. I my degree was psychology, but I was also taking you know engineering classes and programming classes and um, you know some AI there. And it's taken several decades to get where we are here. You know with GPT three and GPT four is around the corner, and you know some interesting um, interesting stuff happening. Um, The AI. Is you know asking like what AI will touch? It's it's like what will AI not touch? It's the you know kind of the next a next layer of computing, next layer, way of, of, processing, next way of providing again features, uh, but not features. It's really providing you know services and experiences, and that's what we really we really want to want to do. Uh, the in you know in entertainment, it's uh, um, what I'm most fascinated with is of course uh, emotion AI. So AI that can be the dungeon master on your experience. So you can have a different experience through this you know, through this uh, escape room or cave or you know, treasure cave, like with Aladdin. You have a different experience each time because the AI is orchestrating uh, things behind the scenes. And uh, you can actually have a, uh, with a metaverse, with, with more emot- emot- emotive uh, you know, characters that are non-player characters, NPCs, and then more emotive like real life characters. And that the features of the metaverse are also uh, really, you know, like like Velcro, kind of you know hook and loop uh, work with our emotional system. We didn't get, we haven't gotten there with the pan, in the pancake world. Uh, most applications, you know, whether it's a spreadsheet or uh, you know a photo, a photo imaging processing application or video editing, uh, you need a different set of emotions from the beginning to the end of a project. And you know, at the beginning, you need to have, uh, oh, I got to you know, try lots of wild ideas, I need a positive emotional aspect, I need to laugh, I need to goof off, I need to fool around, you know, think outside the box. But I'm not going to ship if I only stay there mentally, right? I have to change my emotions and change my focus to then take the best, decide which ones are the best. That creates a different mindset, requires different emotions. And then towards the end, I really have to focus and say, okay, now these have got to be practical. Maybe I get feedback, so I need some social emotions, and then I get the final, the final product. But it's just that. But our computers now just provide us the same UI for the whole process. It doesn't really give us the emotional, you know, hooks that we need to, uh, you know, you know, pay attention to do our best work to unlock human potential. That's our mission here at ZEO. At zero design and at ZeO play, it's really about you know improving like getting us to uh, you know giving us superpowers, right? And the only way that we can do that is if the if we actually consider like people's emotions, the people that are using the software, what are their emotions and what do they need to do? You can only you know Pomodoro and GTD and coffee you know so much out of a person you know to get them to you know you know do better. Uh, we really need to get um, uh, the emotions, uh, the emotions thing. So that's why we're working on emotion AI. You know, at Zio. Outside of that, there is ama- amazing things that we have to do for the metaverse in order for it to uh, be in the real world. In order for it to jump off of our laptop screens, uh, it needs to know uh, the difference between a door and a table. It needs to know, uh, you know, where, you know, the uh, it needs to know where the exit is. It needs to know where I am in the world. It needs to know the different kinds of services I might need in this location versus you know, that location. It needs to know, uh, it needs to be able to recognize a body and put the right kind of avatar outfits on the body uh, you know, in, the right, in the right way. So all of these things, uh, you know, it's, we're, it's gonna take AI, you know, AI to do and the, um, the neural network kind of training models, uh, the machine learning models Uh, are a lot faster than trying to do an expert system or explicit um, rule-based stuff approach. So it's got, um, I guess another way to think of it is that it allows us to, you know, get a much more organic, organically functioning software with, uh, you know, uh, behavior, a much more organic behavior out of something that really still is just zeros and ones. Uh, than other types of uh, ways, of, types and ways of programming, uh, but it's not easy. And we certainly haven't reached its, you know, potential, potential yet.
5: Holograms. Should we take them serious?
7: Wow. Well, that's a That's a question. I think that holograms. Yeah, absolutely. I've been working with holograms for uh, designing holograms for at least two, two and a half years now, almost going on three years. I've been working with a company called Moriahsense, which has uh, haptic feedback. It's kind of a wearable, but it's not force feedback. It's actually surface textures. So I've been creating like Princess Leia holograms. And again, like, you know, in front of me, might be in full VR, might be in AR, and then I can, that you can touch. So these holograms that you can actually touch and move around, they're all made out of light. You know, these, uh, all, almost all um, AR devices are um, additive light. So it looks, they glow a little bit. Uh, But that's uh, the, the volumetric nature of a hologram means that you can like, you know, turn it to the side, it looks, you know, it looks fairly real. Um, I've done some photogrammetry and taken like a a 1903, you know, stereoscope, the old fashioned, you know, stereo postcard viewers, and then put that into as a hologram inside uh, a 3D experience. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, all of our, you know, if you think about like what, um, like Looking Glass or the LumaPad. I haven't seen the LumaPad yet, and I'm waiting to try the new. You know, next week I'm really eager to try the next uh, Looking Glass. I hope they're on the floor at AWE. Uh Those are like holographic displays, and every if you think about it, it's kind of mind blowing. But every laptop is eventually going to have, just like every every laptop is in color, pretty much. Well, every laptop is going to have become a holographic display so you'll you'll still it'll still have a hard surface probably uh but you'll both get you know projected out to you and then projected in you'll have a volumetric uh experience inside there now that's not to say that you know we're just going to paint 3d and people will on everything and then that'll be just because it has 3d then it'd be better you have to match the 3d uh, new 3d capabilities with uh, 3d functionality and use cases where that added depth makes a lot of sense um, uh, to, you know, to the experience, where you're actually doing better because it's in, uh, it's in 3D and it's volumetric. But volumetric computing, volumetric displays, uh, I've seen stuff like with Flow Immersive on, uh, the, uh, on the Magic Leap, and they did amazing, like, imagine just a COVID map, a map of the COVID spread, and they project it on the floor, a, an enormous world map that you could walk on. And then they got in three dimensions these spikes, and so you could see each, uh, each um, uh, on each city. And you could see like the COVID numbers rising and falling. And so you could walk around the world and there's sort of this visceral understanding of, and so this is really good for education as well, a visceral understanding of the data that's trying to be communicated. Uh, experts like a chemist, you know, when they talk about um, uh, mo- molecules or putting molecules together, they actually embody it. They, you know, they'll put their arms up as if they are the molecule Uh, doing that in 3D, uh, is going to be, you know, again, giving you, you know, even more, even more superpowers, I think.
5: Give us three out of your top 20 XR startups, platforms, corporations that you're most excited about today.
7: Yeah, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Um. Because I think that, uh, well, the two that I'm watching a lot right now are, is in the AR, is in the AR space uh, with glasses coming, uh, the, you know, the form factor, of whether it's, uh, I did a a game uh, called Unscramble the Oracle on Bose AR. So these are just normal sunglasses, like the Facebook stories, no camera, but they had pose, they have a motion sensor. So I did an audio only, choose your own adventure, you play, walk around the block, uh with patrick o'shaughnessy and michael and um and david fox and uh michael cabbs nice. yeah yeah and so but i mean if you just put these on you know that is a lot better than a lot easier socially acceptable than a box on your face and it's a lot less dangerous because i can still see out even you know the, they can be dangerous if you get like lost in your you know lost in your you're lost on arrakis and dune and then whoops wait a minute i'm supposed to be crossing the street um but yeah that that's a real game changer so i'm really fascinated with uh both spark and uh now with the new upgrade they're talking with the new upgrade that they talked about facebook talked about spark you know last week and then the uh and then snap lens studio which also just updated the lens studio uh a lot because related to your earlier question was machine learning they're doing so much about the body right now and a lot of it's ad driven, and you know, on the business side, and uh, you know, you're getting uh, immersive experiences. So I can try on the hat or the glasses or the outfit, or I can play a game with my body, uh, sponsored by you know a beauty company or a clothing company, something like that, or a, a um, sports drink. Uh, but because it's got so much, I'm reimagining my body. My, um, I think that's I'm tracking both of those uh, really, really closely. And uh, in terms of what's going to come out now, everybody, I think the third one, of course, would be Apple. I really want to whatever whatever glasses or stuff they're going to be putting out. I'm buying like on day one. I was I was one of the freaks that, you know, bought this on day one. I you know, was in the line you know, around the street and uh, doing interviews, though, I was being productive uh, about like, what did you think about the iPhone? And I was trying to get a motion profile of it. Uh, but those I'm really bullish on the uh, AR pass through. Uh, you know kind of lenses that we'll get that you can wear every day and then I'm also like whatever um, whatever uh, Apple Apple is doing there's so many other interesting things that are happening though I think that you know the the larger the larger companies that are trying to divide decide decide the uh, software of the metaverse the value proposition there is going to come from a small company it's not going to be it's not going to come from the uh, the big you know you know, the big five or the big 10 or whatever. Uh, the the arc, they, uh, um, they will be very good at, you know, designing the hardware that'll it run on because um, that takes, you know, billions and billions of dollars to, to do. Um, but at that size, companies that size, they find, you know, in my experience anyway, it's very hard to, you know, innovate, uh, develop new use cases. You usually buy your innovation, you usually acquire, that's why they acquire all of these companies for their patent portfolio, for their users, for their, um, uh, for their team or for the you know, experience itself. So I think that the other person, the other uh, group on that spot that I would be tracking is, uh, is somebody that you know, we haven't heard of yet.
5: Just three more questions for you. I literally, literally am using as much discipline that I can muster because I could burn some midnight oil with you right now meta, the new meta is the jury still out with you on the, the intentions of what they expressed of what they want to contribute to the metaverse.
7: Yeah, I am still fascinated by uh, what we saw last week uh, and the announcements and you know, what's going on behind what might be going on behind the scenes, you know, just just reading the tea leaves, but I'm really good at people actually hire me to read tea leaves. So it's like, hmm, why did they say that and that and that. Uh, so very, very, very fascinating. Uh, the the choice just to start from the top, the choice of terms. So it's meta it's meta platforms, by the way. And the the stock ticker is MBRS, right? Metaverse, right? And interesting, you know, interesting choice. So it's a linguistic thing of trying to own the one of the central pins of the communication that we all do. And uh, then they're going to do Meta Oculus, Meta This, Meta That. It actually pairs well with many other words. Um, but there are all of these companies that have Meta in their, wor- in their name already, right? You know, there's Meta Materials that already has the tra- registered trademark on their thing. Uh, and it's, it's, really, it's really quite fascinating to see. It will be see, interesting to see how it moves out. And then you compare that with the uh, Google rebrand when they, it wasn't a rebrand as much, but they made a Meta company Alphabet. But in practice, nobody uses Alphabet. We all call it Google, we know it's alphabet really but we just all call it Google Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see. uh, If the if they are able to if that's their goal if that's Facebook's goal to you know switch from Facebook to Meta. Or if it's going to just remain Facebook because that's what we we all we all know, and um, so I think that's I think that's quite fascinating they did an amazing job of an amazing video of like what it you know what it could feel like uh in the metaverse in their view of the metaverse you know for the keynote the keynote was a representation of you know the metaverse in a way you know people were it was all spatial you know no powerpoint no stage you know no artificial stuff it was just everybody in different environments and people would come and go mostly as real people right but you know you can imagine that being an avatar and then they would launch different you know different experiences you know from from inside you know wherever so it was a good it was a good you know walk uh walk the talk uh, in a sense, and then, but then in terms of the talk, what really got announced I mean, what are they really shipping? Uh, and what does that look like? So the call to action for that event was, and there, the year before the call to action was, you know, buy an Oculus too. Uh, the call to action here was, we're changing the name of the company. And so, and that's a good, that's a good marketing move, right? Because all the energy and excitement goes to that. Uh, but I, you know, then you have to really think about it, is this gonna, how does this affect the industry at large? Is this going to be like the enormous uh, investment that went into Magic Leap and that valuation, just sort of, you know, sucking all of the money uh, available to AR content creators, you know, away, right? It just all went to Magic Leap, not all of it, but a lot of it went to Magic Leap. Uh, you know, is it going to, you know, how is that gonna, uh, you know, uh, do it affect the larger ecosystem? They've made some really interesting, really, really smart moves. They've acquired a number of companies over the years. They've acquired uh, some of the top performers from the indie studio. So they acquired, I believe, they acquired Population One, they acquired Beep Saber, and now they acquired Supernatural. And uh, Google had acquired Tilt Brush, but then they've open sourced that. Uh, so these, so that's an interesting, interesting move. So now they have um, not just 30%, you know, going in, but the full value of that, um, you know, of that coming in as revenue, um, which is, which is great. And the jury's still out on Horizon. Uh, The you know Horizon you you have you have Horizon Worlds, you have Horizon uh, workplaces, and then you have Horizon Home. And Horizon Home, they said, oh, it's written in C++, which is interesting. These other layers are written in Unity, and so with that, it's kind of interesting. There's an opportunity for more performance, obviously, possibly. And then, what is that going to look like? The Horizon Home experience. Um, And so that um, you know that. That could be uh, that could be really interesting. and again you know it's invite everybody over and have these social experience. so it's going to, it's quite possibly going to feel a lot more like um, like a metaverse where it's where it's live, it's social you know and it's and it's 3d. So uh, those were kind of my my top my top takeaways and we'll, we'll we will see we will see how it how it goes. I was a little disappointed or I really wanted to see more investment in other titles. So they had, you know, some really core and very, you know, amazing games, you know, they're they're partnering with and they, that will launch on Quest 2. Um, but we didn't see uh, if the metaverse is for everyone and not just, you know, white males, for example, uh, then they didn't announce, you know, um, you know even something that's, you know, kind of at least cast-wise versus Overwatch, I don't think. Um, You know, or puzzle games or story games or, you know, Animal Crossing style games, other other things weren't key. You had to go to like, well, there was a chessboard behind Zuck for one segment. And then he did a a surfing game illustrated, you know, in another segment. Um, But neither of those were actual game games. I mean, they weren't actually being produced. You couldn't buy them on the Oculus Store. They're not there's no team attached to them. Those were just kind of illustrations. So I thought that that was sad. Actually, I thought that was like that was disappointing. Uh, because the metaverse is for everyone. It needs to be open, it needs to be inclusive. And if we only have, uh, if we only import the best-selling games of the prior pancake experiences, we're losing out on a lot of potential. Uh, You can't just see gameplay through that, you know, controller and flat screen, you know, kind of thing. And if I can go on for one more thing, which was really important, is that he did say that they are, that, uh, you know, that Facebook is supporting the uh, open metaverse, the open, he wants it to be open, but then jump right into uh, supporting WebXR, which is amazing and bringing in all the 2D apps and stuff like that is amazing. But I want to be sure that we're talking about an open, you know, an open WebXR, I mean, an open experience, open metaverse for other things that aren't 2D web apps. right? Uh, other kinds of other kinds of things, because we need that you know interoperability. And my concern with that is that if you're getting like if you watch Carmax talk, uh, we're going to get this flood of uh, you know new two D content coming into a three D world, and that's going to be fun. You know, that's like I mean you're going to get the unit count in a sense. You're going to get the number of titles. The titles will go up. But then they're going to be, you know, are they going to be even redesigned for, you know, 3D? Or are they just going to be flat? Um, and, you know, right now, it seems like they're going to be ports, and so they'll be flat. So we need to really invest quite a bit more in uh, the uh, the metaverse uh, with diverse creators, absolutely. I really wanted to see the 150 million they put in was going to create educational content, very smart strategy move, for training people to create Spark AR lenses, right, or other, you know, other kinds of things. It wasn't necessarily for experiences that were educational, which they have done in the, in, done in the past, in early versions of Oculus. Um, so yeah, I have a lot to say about Meta, well, the Meta Conference last week, so, but that's, that's what I, actually, and one more thing, it's called Connect. And the other thing I was disappointed with, it's all, and we're all like really, it's all really challenging with all of us. I mean, I'm excited for AWE next week because it'll be in person, but uh, there wasn't the ability to connect. And that was true last year as well. It's like, so I'm used to going to, you know, the Chinese theater in Hollywood or whatever, and like, you know, eating chocolate covered bacon as an you know, snacking on chocolate covered bacon and then meeting my team, right? You know, and then like meeting new people from my team, right? uh we there wasn't there wasn't a social space at all uh you could just chat on some of the you know alongside some of the videos and most of the videos were pre-recorded and so it wasn't even live you know there wasn't like okay we're gonna all move to this talk and this talk and this talk so we could collect and you know exchange business cards or talk about stuff uh they didn't uh, they didn't support that so there were lots of back channels you know on, on on reddit on twitter and you know that kind of thing but and on discord Uh, But I was disappointed that it couldn't uh, be more about connecting with developers because that's what we need to build the metaverse.
5: My final two questions for you. One, how do people get a hold of you and for what? Two, what's the most important thing that we should know about you and work?
7: I'll take the second question first. Uh, the most important thing is that you know I am all about unlocking human potential through play. So I am all about taking emerging technologies and creating experiences for people that they you know that they that they love that they you know use again and again. They share with their friends. So it is a very human centric uh, uh, you know things things that I do and it's also strategic though and it is always got the business goals in mind and i'm a business owner myself so i understand a lot of the you know the mechanics and i've got you know my eye on crypto i've got my eye on like how all the just the business disruptor stuff so that's that's the kind of important i really want to see technology unlock unlock human potential and then you can uh, reach out to me on uh, you can reach out to me you know just with my name on most platforms. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn that way. Uh, I'm also uh, Nicole Lazaro on Twitter. Uh, the uh, our website is ZEO Design. That's xeoDesign.com. And you can find out more about uh, follow the White Rabbit uh, at play uh, playwhiterabbit.com, and uh, playwhiterabbit Twitter and playback White Rabbit Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I think is Nicole dot Lazaro. uh, And uh, then uh, uh, and then on snap, I think it's Nicole underscore Lazaro.
5: To our audience, you just heard from Nicole Lazaro. Nicole, thank you for joining us. For me, Nicole is undoubtedly one of the most brilliant minds I have ever known in this XR industry. I've had the pleasure of meeting many people that contribute many things. Rare few have ever garnered my attention to where I definitely take notes and have learned not only today, but in previous years, thankful to know her and to be of her acquaintance. To our audience listening, thank you for taking the time to explore with us. We certainly hope you're keeping safe, happy, and healthy in these particular times. We look forward for you joining us again and to chopping more wood and to seeing what else we may discover together. Until then, good night.
7: Good night, everyone, and thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here uh, and I treasure our friendship as well.
0: Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store.